Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? It's hump day, bitches. It's time for your Wednesday edition of Morning Combat. Welcome, everyone. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. My name is Luke Thomas. I come to you now from the capital of Los Estados Unidos, but I am joined by royalty, as I always am. He is my friend and yours. He can be annoying, but we love him just the same. He's the king of Connecticut. Genuine, genuine royalty. It's, uh, it's Brian Campbell. Brian Campbell, how are you? Good, sir. Hi, Luke. I, you know, I, I, take, I take general umbrage with the annoying comment, but, uh, you know, your lack of <laughs> understanding of art is already staggering <laughs> enough, Luke. So see, we, we, we have to start the, the Zoom call, which we've used to see each other. It's a long, complicated process. About 30 minutes before the show, although this one about 10 because of some other issues. BC just saunters on into the screen, sits down. Hey, everybody. Dick, dope, dick, dope, dick, joke, dick, joke, dick, joke, dick, joke, dick, joke, fart. Dick, joke, dick, dope, chick, dope. Dude, can you say five words without just going dick, dick, dick? What can I say, Luke? I'm a rebel just for kicks, yeah. Okay? You know what I'm saying, Luke? This is what I bring to the world. But hey, big time show for you today. A lot of serious and ridiculous to get into in the world of combat sports. And Luke, while we love to tell everybody, hey man, can you like, can you subscribe and all that shit, we do have certain numbers and goals to hit, Luke, and one of them involves Apple podcast reviews. So, you know, I don't like to ask for a lot because typically on this show we're so giving. Um, I will say this, if you gotta head on over to Apple Podcasts, if that is the angle, the place you consume this fine audio, then please leave us a five-star review, a rating uh, you know, do a solid. Tell us what you think about the show. Tell us whatever you want. Just tell us because we have goals we need to hit with our employers and our sponsors. And uh, this is part of it, Luke. So let's keep taking this rocket ship to the moon. All right, there you go. If you like the product, all you got to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice review. That's all we ask. Free. You can just say, nice show. Love BC. Hate Luke. Or vice versa. Or whatever you want to say. Just leave us a nice review. That's what we're looking for. We appreciate it. Uh, of course, as always, BC, can't forget about the YouTubes. Like the video, hit subscribe. If you're new here, we do this Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 a.m. in the East. And, of course, you can follow us there on social media on the lower thirds. BC and I have different names between Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you want to try Showtime, because, by the way, Bellator is back in action on Showtime on Friday, I believe. I think that's right. Yes. Uh, all the way to, from London, Brian Campbell. You can yeah. go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. I was going to say, don't forget, folks, we're going to preview it, of course, on Friday, but 5 p.m. Eastern time is the main card start for all things. Diego, not Diego, the other guy. Is uh, it all five things, or is it four? Uh, you know, maybe I should double check that before I go live. I think it's 5 the p.m. Press, Eastern. I'll say but, this. The press release yesterday said it started at four, but I didn't know if that was part of the of the prelim card. Either way, MVP, Douglas Lima, part two, welterweight. Uh, it's going to be explosive. It's going to be fun. Check that shit out on Showtime. And, Luke, you know, that's the only place you can watch it, so you might as well get 30 days free. I mean, come on. Let's, let's go. I mean, what are, what are you waiting for at this point? So there's that. Of course, if you want to email the show, so today we'll do fan submissions. Friday we'll do dead wrong. You want to dead wrong us or you want to fan sub us. Either way, morningcombat at gmail.com is the place to be. Uh, I don't think the Zach Mexico shirt is on our store, but our store does have a lot of Factory Town MMA stuff, 
Uh, a lot of just other really interesting things. You can go to morningcombat.store and get mugs and hats and, and what do you call them, BC? Uh, what are the waste things? Fanny packs, you can Fanny get those. Packs. Luke, a lot of talk in MK merch circles between consumers and providers. People want an MK drug rug. Luke, I'd love to see you in one, bro. I would love to see you in. I'm not, I'm not wearing a drug rug ever unless I live on a hippie commune and drink my own piss. That's the only way that's ever happening. But if you want to go and get what we have in the MK store, you certainly may. You can go to live. Uh, use, by the way, you can get 10% off. You can go to uh, use the promo code LIVE10. L-I-V-E, the number one, the number zero, LIVE10 at morningcombat.store. And BC, last but certainly not least, we have entered yet another week of NFL football and MK brought to you by DK. That's right. DraftKings is presenting to you Morning Combat. We appreciate their patronage and their support. And uh, they want to reward all of our listeners and our viewers. So here's what you can do, BC. You can win tons of different free prizes with uh, the Daily Fantasy if gambling is not legal in your state just yet. But for those of you who are legally eligible... You bet $1 on the upcoming slate of NFL games if you're a new customer using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And uh, DraftKings is going to chuck you another 150 bucks just to play with. I mean, deals don't come much better than this, do they, BC? They don't. You know what I mean? And you can, I mean, you can do what you want with your money. You want to support our store and buy our merch, that'd be great. But you want free money to bet on the games you already be watching, folks? You're going to need an important code. It's our own promo code. It's called Combat with a K. You enter that shit in there. This ain't no predatory loan, brother, although we also sell those to you, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this can one. We, hey, and MK, can we have your car title so we can give you 50 bucks? We're like, we'll help you wash your balls and we'll help you get into financial trouble. No, this will put some money in your pocket, folks. So head a, join up with MK and DK, okay? Please, please do it. Uh, so here is what you need to know. Go and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code COMBAT, as BC indicated, COMBAT with a K, K-O-M-B-A-T, to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game from the NFL this upcoming week. Promo code COMBAT this week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, as well as UFC. Must be other than you know, 21 and everything and all legal in your state. All right, so there Luke, you have final, it. Oh. Final bit of note, if you're pumped up for today's launch of Morning Combat Dawn, Documentary number five. It's titled Healing. Here's the deal, folks. Watch today's show during our Call Me Crazy segment today. We will have the teaser to get you fired up before MK Documentary 5.0 goes live directly after Morning Combat today. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat on the YouTubes there. Uh, you can't miss it. You got to check this shit out, okay? So uh, it's very, uh, we pulled the curtain back. We showed you what it's like behind the behind the scenes okay i mean it, it gets very emotional please check that shit out all right thanks it's a little censored for my take and tastes but what are you gonna looks do? like a, yo i wanted to make them pat tillman jokes that bc used to get banned for that's that's what happened there Luke. <laughs> not quite exactly like that but not too far i suppose all right uh with that in mind we have a lot to get to so let's get to it topic number one we now have more information about the arrest of john jones that happened uh, prior to ufc 266 but just following the uh, UFC Hall of Fame induction ceremony where, of course, we know John Jones rightfully entered with his fight against Alexander Gustafson, but then was arrested later. Now, we knew he had been charged, Brian Campbell, with felony, uh, it was a felony related to the charge of hitting the police vehicle, and it was a misdemeanor related to the domestic um, violence charges. Now we have more information. So, according to a report from TMZ, which, by the way, comes from the police report itself, 
We have a pretty bad situation, to be quite candid. According to the police report, what it says is that uh, basically a the cops were called to Caesars Palace at roughly 5 a.m. in Vegas. They found John nearby the facility. They detained him and arrested him. And what they found was, in talking to the security guard in the hotel itself, that the uh, fiancé of John Jones had allegedly came down to the um, what do you want to call it? The the concierge area to look for another key for her room, and appeared to be distressed to the point where she, according to the security guard anyway, had visible blood on her. He asked her if she was okay. She broke out in tears and said she was scared to go back to her room. And again, according to the report, the, uh, one of the children who was with her asked the security guard to call the cops. The cops show up. They go into the room. Um, they ask her if he had laid hands on her. She denies that they had, although he did. she did acknowledge there was some hair pulling, which is why he was charged ultimately with that. And But they did find blood on her person, on her clothes, and on the bed sheets. Now, how much, I do not know, but they at least uh, were able to visibly identify some. And according to the cops on the scene, her lip was visibly swollen. Okay, Brian Campbell. Uh, uh, I, I just, I think two days ago, we discussed what we knew previously on the show, and even then you said the UFC should cut him. There was a lot of chatter about that debate, about yeah. that, that opinion you had on Twitter yesterday. Now that you have absorbed the weight of everything, including the sort of setup I gave there, where are you now in this whole equation? Yeah, I, I stand in the same spot, and it's obviously not that I'm cheerleading and parading to get, see, I may have been right, pat me on the back, or even even further, like I'm not cheering for John's demise or his financial situation to get worse or for any of this to happen, but Luke, this was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking that it's another major arrest so soon to the one we just saw in early 2020 with the fire of a weapon, the DUI, the drugs in the car and all that stuff. When you find the intimate details of, like you said, blood on the sheets and one of his children begging the security guard in the lobby to essentially call police. I mean, I'm no I'm no so, you know, I'm no psychologist here or family law expert here, Luke, but that tells me. That this has become a pattern of behavior in the house and, the, and that, that even the children have had enough. And it's sad and it's extreme. What I didn't expect, Luke, and look, disagree with me all you want. You and I are going to make claims of all different kinds on all different topics on this show. That's our job. You want to disagree. That's fine. I was blown away, though, at the aggressive nature of the BC, you Karen, you idiot. Stop trying to cancel the world by, by trying to lead John down this path of unemployment. What about Greg Hardy? What about Conor McGregor? You must be some racist because you didn't say this about Conor McGregor. Well, look, there's different scenarios for everyone right here. I mean, a guy like Greg Hardy had done bad and sort of served his punishment and was trying to to make good and turn his life around. And then Conor McGregor, who I also regularly criticize the UFC for not uh, giving out its own punishments for his actions, his actions are a little bit different in a lot of ways than some of this extreme consistent nature of John Jones. The difference to me between John Jones in this situation and why I would say, look, UFC, your brand is at such a public level now. Do you want this kind of PR? Do you like, do you want this anymore? Why wouldn't you cut him to send a message, not just to everyone else, but to him to try to save him? Um, it's it's wild to me, Luke. The difference to me between this situation and others is that John isn't learning. That's really the problem here. He's had multiple what we thought would be rock bottom situations, serving days in jail, public embarrassment, being stripped of his title on three occasions. And, you know, if you go back and add up all of the discretions from the 2015 hit and run of a pregnant woman, like to, to the drug test issues and all that across the board... There's too many strikes against him in the 
either the category of star athlete with issues, allow him to figure it out, or even in the category, Luke, that I think we were in 2020 in the most recent arrest, which was, look, we can get mad at John Jones all we want, but he's got a legitimate problem, whether it be just substance abuse and that addiction or the mental health behind it that often fuels that. And again, I'm not losing the sympathy for that in Jones, but how many strikes against a guy who has high is so high profile? And by the way, does high profile mean you get treated differently? Yes, normally in positive ways, which, oh, by the way, is why John Jones got his fight moved in the Gustafson rematch on six days notice during Christmas week from one state to another to avoid drug situations. But look, if it was the inversion, if it was the opposite, if he was a non-ranked fighter, you get this many bad discretions, you're gone. It, there's, I mean, there's history has proven this. We've seen this. So how many more do you want for Jones if you're UFC when, Luke, this is a pattern of behavior where the next step after this is going to be awful. It's going to be his death or someone around him or someone inadvertently. So if you care this much for your brand and you care this much for the person and your UFC and you're not going to take a step forward at the bare freaking minimum and suspend him so that there's like proven that we step up and we take control, then what are we doing here? I know it's the fight game and the rules are different and how many boxers have had all this trouble and yet they're still fighting. It's a little bit more disorganized. It's not one company, but I get it. But UFC's in a different space. It's a different level of their history, Luke. Uh, this guy is a brand ambassador, for, for better or worse, and it's getting scary right now. Can we can we quit talking about his heavyweight comeback? And can we get into how, you know, how does this man avoid a life in jail or worse moving forward because this isn't hey bc you you nancy you karen you cancel culture this is how much worse do you want it to get before you do something that's what i'm asking yeah, the ufc yeah i found some of the so i mean i didn't i wasn't surprised that people disagree there's plenty of room for disagreement on this issue like what's what's the right answer here i mean i'm not so sure that any of us really know but i thought the vehemence in, in some of the rejection of your suggestion was totally overplayed let's talk about some of these pieces here first of all the cancel culture pieces i mean this is the lamest charge imaginable from the least thoughtful people on the internet it is not cancel culture to suggest that it a might be bad for your brand to be involved with this guy i mean here's the reality is it bad for them right now no uh at least not not in totality in the sense that there's going to be some kind of uh you know wave of bad publicity or bad results at the marketplace that will force them to change but if he keeps going, John Jones, down this path, and of course we should remind everyone, it is worth saying that these are all allegations that have yet to be proven in a court of law, but you know, you have enough evidence in the body of work to suggest that they're probably, you know, you, if you were thinking that they're true, I, I would hardly dissuade you from it. So the point being is, what if things get real bad? I don't want to make any Chris Benoit comparisons because that is a horrific sort of extreme endpoint that I don't know that we'll ever get to again, and, and I hopefully never will. But could he do something bad enough relative to what is happening now where the UFC is like, Jesus Christ, we're going to be associated with this guy. And of course, everyone's like, why don't they hammer him with a code of conduct? Even Daniel Cormier is saying that, dude, because they're independent contractors. They don't want to because that would then disrupt the employee balance. They want to keep them exactly in this sort of state of where they have the majority of the control in the negotiation. So that's part of it as well. But if you're the UFC, you have to ask yourself a question here about what's coming down the pike and whether or not you want your brand associated with somebody when that might happen. I think that's utterly reasonable. Moreover, cancel culture is about the ostracism of someone from sort of polite society society for something they may have said or or uh, have done that it turns out people overreacted to 
And again, again, these are allegations, legally speaking, until proven in a court of law. But, dude, these are serious allegations. And these are allegations. I mean, I've been covering this guy since he was, what, 20, 21 years old? He's 34 now. And if anything, they are getting worse, not better. Um, this is unbelievably serious. It would be cancel culture if you said and protested in front of the Nevada Athletic Commission that he should have his license revoked. I don't think he should have his license revoked, but whether or not it is prudent for the UFC as a long-term vision to remain in business with him, I think is a very open question. And I'm not even saying, BC, that I have the answer like, oh, UFC must cut him. I don't know, but I don't know if I agree with that in the, only in the sense that like these are complicated questions. And it should be noted I, I, I don't know if I speak for you, Brian, but I'm pretty sure I do when I say this. Dude, we are not up here proclaiming to have figured life out. Dude, life is hard. Life is very hard. And it doesn't really matter how much money you have. And it doesn't even matter sometimes what kind of family support you have. Life will slap the shit out of you on multiple occasions. And you and I are old enough at 42, 43 to have looked back on a few times when life will bring you to your knees. I get it, dude. I, life is not easy. And if you have addiction issues and, and trauma issues and everything else he might have, dude, these are very difficult problems to solve. And I don't wish them on anyone. And if anything I wish is that this guy can get some help so he can get right and live his life the way he's supposed to, make all the money he's supposed to, and have all the wins that he's supposed to. That would be the ultimate outcome. But it looks to me like he is nowhere even close to right. that path. That is and ridiculous. That, and the last thing I want to say is for the folks who are like, oh, BC's care and BC's cancer culture. First of all, fuck off with that, number one. And number two, more importantly, dude, we have a right up here. Not a right, but we have the privilege, the honor, I should say. But we have a responsibility, frankly, that's what we get paid to do, to assess the things given our length of time in the fight game and make a call about them. Sorry, I'm going to keep doing that. And if you don't like it, you cannot watch. I don't really give a shit because these opinions are utterly within the bounds of reasonable discourse here. They are utterly within the bounds of what people should be talking about. And I watched people right up until BJ Penn and through that, fighting people outside of the lava shack in the most self-destructive, awful behavior. And people being like, this is just what Hawaiians do. Dude, you're, you're, you, the people out there are fucking clueless about some of this shit. There is a portion yeah. of the fan base and the community that's a little bit deranged when it comes to things like, yeah, just let these guys do whatever I want. They're fucking wild animals. You treat them like comic book characters. We treat them like humans, and that's the difference. And and look, like just so everyone knows, me watching John Jones reinvent himself at heavyweight is probably like the the one like the one storyline that gets me the most excited. So for me to basically say enough is enough, it's not like FUFC, I want to go see John Jones sign with another promotion. It's do we have like rules? Do we have consequences anymore when it's getting this bad? It's not like I want the the fair, you know, the balance of 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 good and bad to level out by, by seeing someone get slapped on the wrist. It's like, what incentive does John have to change right now? If his employment is is still there and he knows he can come back and make millions anytime he he decides to put his pen to the paper. That's not going to help him change. So, Luke, I want you to, if you don't mind, ad addressing one specific argument that people had against this, which I think is a fair one. The idea that it doesn't behoove UFC financially to cut him because, again, he's just going to go sign with another major promoter and make a lot of money. And what if he, you know, turns himself around and reinvents himself and suddenly he's fighting Rumble Johnson in Bellator? It's a, you know, it's a pay-per-view fight. I mean, that, that's a big deal there. I'm not naive to that at all. Then what is your response from... What UFC's core, you know, next step should be given that if they cut them, they're the ones that would technically lose the most out of that. Are, you know, are you in the, of the belief of me that of a minimum, you 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 give a you give a large suspension to sort of set a tone for your company that you don't 
that you don't put up with this? Because I, I think it's it's a lame stance to basically be like, well, we let the courts decide. You know what I mean? So anyone, again, comparing our reaction to this to Conor McGregor, I think I was the only journalist in 2018 telling people, you're rewarding a, a guy who just committed a major crime against his coworkers with the richest deal in sports history, you know, the richest fight in sports history. Like, what are we doing here? I was that guy. So what should be the UFC's response given the obvious nature that cutting him loose means you're fueling your competitors? Also, I got to say, you know, we, we these are not equivalent situations, but we've seen situations where, like in the NFL, if you do something where, you know, if you, if you even get arrested for, like, domestic violence, your team's probably going to cut you, even if you're good, and then you just, you know, end up somewhere else. Or if you have some kind of – they're not – the situations are not analogous, but Richard Sherman, I think, just today signed with the Buccaneers, obviously having some of his own issues. So, like, you know, you can sort of, like – find your way into new scenarios although i have to say i think if bellator like if ufc cut him it would have to be bad for bellator to pick him up would be kind of gross if they did frankly um although you know we're talking about a scenario that it may may never and likely won't happen i think it's really just as simple as this suspensions i don't know because i don't know what the contracts call for in terms of they have to offer them three fights a year i don't know if there's the, the, the if they can really enforce that if in fact especially if john wanted to challenge it i just think they have to ask themselves like do you want to be in business with this guy or not because if you do and that's okay if you do uh, on some level but that means you're going to be okay with all the shit that comes with it including the big paydays and including you know the good pay-per-views and uh, the validation that having a guy that good on your roster comes with fine um, but if you are, you also have to accept the responsibility that comes with all of his various infractions, and they are not getting better. They are getting worse, and they are getting multiplied. We had this 18 months ago. We had a scenario like this that everyone just forgot, stripped three times, all the various uh, infractions related to anti-doping and everything else in between. Dude, does anybody think this is going away? Because he put up a, a, a graphic yesterday on social media of bench pressing and being like, I'm going to turn this alcohol problem into the, or the situation anyway until the best you know thing to happen to me dude this is so tone deaf so out of touch like the only way he's going to fix things is under the guise of professional sustained consistent real welcoming help that is it short of that you're just going to get more of this if you're the ufc you got to take a long look in the mirror and say are we in business with this guy or are we not so, uh, Gaff, if you don't, and Manich, if you don't mind throwing up that IG story that Luke mentioned, Luke, this put an awful taste in my mouth toward John. If we could just blow it up quickly for anyone that hadn't seen it, I know he's treating he's treating this like it's an episode of, uh, you know, uh, what's the Larry David show like uh, on HBO? Oh yeah, uh, the Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm, like wah wah wah. Charlie Brown missed the football again. It's like, dude, these are these are. These are real problems, man. These so, are real. If you ever had, have you ever had a real problem in your life? I had one, dude. Like when my mom died, I almost drank myself to death. Yeah. Like it was fucking bad, man. It was bad. I almost lost my job. Like it was horrible. It was really, really bad. I was not getting out of that. I was not getting out of that without professional help. Period. Period, dude. That was the only way I was going to die, or I was going to lose everything along the way. The only way I saved myself was through professional help. For him to go in there and post, like, you got a friend in me with Randy Newman, and you're benching? Dude, you are lost. Oh, you are lost that's, that's what I, basically what I was going to say, Luke, is, is this puts a, a, a giant candle on top of the shit cake of distaste. First of all, it's an IG story, which is like the most disposable form of posting anything on social media. And it's not like I'm against the idea of turning a po- you know negative into a positive. 
But the news is that you assaulted the, the mother of your children in front of them. You know what I mean? That's the same thing, by the way, that sent Floyd Mayweather to jail in 2012. And your response is, well, you know, uh, I, I, it, it appears I can't handle alcohol. It brings the bad out in me. So, you know, I'm going to lift my <laughs> way through this and get back in the cage soon and recapture my glory and show everyone that I'm okay. No, this is why at the very least UFC, you suspend the guy. Because if that IG post doesn't tell you enough, he's not learning from all of these transgressions, which means, Luke, you know this in your own personal life. When you have an issue with something, anger, whatever, and you don't deal with it, it keeps coming back and it keeps coming back worse, right? It keeps knocking on that door. This IG post is the full on, you know, telling you exactly who it is inside of him and the way he's thinking that it's all right, man, I'm, I'm Teflon to this. I'll be back. Don't worry about it. And again, if you're the UFC and you're just going to promote him in a fight six months from now at heavyweight, at this point, you're not some renegade boxing promotion. You're a publicly traded company with an ESPN deal that's linked with Disney through that. That shows that you are okay with those discretions. It does. If you let the law decide the punishment and you do nothing and go back with business as usual, by the way, just like when you threw Conor into that Habib fight, with no care for what he did to his own employees, you know, or what he or what he was trying to do, it, it says a lot. So you can either draw the line like we often do in boxing, where we go, well, you know, this is the red light district of sports. It's in, it's disorganized. It's ridiculous. We kind of, we kind of want our superstars to be edgy and living on the edge. You can do that all you want. You want to stay in that lane? Okay, that's fine. But UFC's not trying to stay in that lane. They're trying to be a big four sport. They're trying to have corporate sponsorships and be on mainstream regular TV. You work under a different set of rules when that happens. It's why, to Luke's point, when a major NFL star has a major major domestic abuse situation, they get fired the next day. That's just how this works, for better or worse. I say better because it sends the right message to everyone, including the infractor, that this, like, you can't get away with shit like this. And just rub it off. Luke, final point here from me, at least, or final question. Is there any comparison to the McGregor situation? To me, McGregor's infractions, not, you know, we're comparing sores here, have been smaller. He's been consistently in and out of trouble, but to me, it hasn't been on this same level. Is there something I'm missing here? There's always going to be a fair... You're at... Yes. The answer is yes. There is an element of overlap between their scenarios that uh, is undeniable. It's undeniable that they both had these, you know, grand issues. Not well. Obviously, Connor never had the anti-doping issues, but you're talking about outside the cage, right? So, um, yes. And Connor had to go and you know plead guilty and spend the night in jail and various other things that were, you know, sort of embarrassing and and potentially potentially ruinous. Obviously, it wasn't. If he kept going, it may have been or something. Um, you know, and there was not a whole lot done. Chuck and the dolly at a bus, and UFC was just like, eh, whatever. Like, what do you? Because what are you going to do? You're going to cut a guy and send him to Bellator, like, uh, like Conor McGregor? Of course not. You're never going to do that. Um, but Conor, I don't know that he's figured it out per se. I, I think that's probably wrong as well. But listen, man, this is the point about John, dude. I'm telling you, I've been covering this dude since he was barely old enough to buy a Michelob Ultra, and the problems have been consistent since then. We are now in his mid. 30s. I didn't have. Gray, I'll put it to you this way. I didn't even have gray hair when he started fucking up, right? And now look yeah. at me. I mean, this is you know we're talking about a pattern of abuse that is orders of mag self abuse even orders of magnitude 
much worse than Connors, at least in terms of what has been publicly known. Part of just getting away with shit and doing fucked up things in your 20s is being able to conceal it or getting away with it. Like, there's stuff we've all done. I'll raise my hand. There's stuff I've done I probably should have been in more trouble for that I got away with. Fair enough. But, dude, I haven't done that in a long time. I haven't done that in 15 years or more. Like, I don't play those games anymore. This is the difference, man. And when you've got other people around you in your family and your personal lives and, and your work colleagues, dude, his work pe- his his the people in his life, like his coaches and whatnot, they better ask themselves some questions too. They're good men, and I think they want to do right by somebody they care about. I'm not saying ostracizing Jones in all cases by everyone around him is the right answer. I don't think that it is. Some people are going to have to put their arm around him and help him, and I do think that's the right answer. But you also have to recognize, if you're close to this guy, to what extent do you also want to be associated with somebody who may be going down a path of more problems and apparently has zero desire or understanding maybe even of what requires to fix this. I'm going to say it one more time, dude. This is not a problem. You just outgrow. This is a problem. You need a life preserver from somebody who knows what they are doing or trust me, trust me when I tell you worse shit is coming. And that is a fact. All right. So let's move on if we can, I guess we'll try. All right. Let's turn the page here a little bit. BC. Topic two, we have a ton of fight announcements, and I'm not even going to introduce these as like any overarching theme because there isn't, but they're just a bunch of fun ones. Let's start with the one that seems to me the most interesting, BC. I think you would probably agree with this. So we're going to have a bantamweight interim title fight, finally. Probably not the one we maybe should have if they had done this the right way, but whatever. We are where we are. Corey Sandhagen is going to fight Peter Yan for the interim bantamweight title on October 30th at UFC 267, which, if memory serves, BC, this is the free one, correct? It's a 267, but they're not charging for this one? I believe that's the case. Where is it going to air from? Uh, I think Abu Dhabi. I, yes. I, I, I'll verify while you look this up. Or you, you um, So, opinion. look, you know, I, I got more love than, than dislike for this, for sure. This is a great freaking fight. And given this situation, with Aljo's uncertainty with the injury and the nerve damage and when or, or if he'll be back, and to be honest... The fact that he didn't really win the title, you know, again, it's not his fault, but it was a DQ situation. Uh, this is a interim title that I love. This, this this situation of using that that life preserver to save the situation. And it's two guys that style-wise, elite level-wise, in an already bottlenecked and crowded division. Yeah, this fight is a killer badass. You know, I'd said coming in that Ortega-Volkanovski, like, it's one of those top five, like, best fights you can make from the standpoint of, like, pound-for-pound guys, all that style style contrast, all that. I think this one's right with that. I mean, this is a great freaking fight. I mentioned there was a little dislike, although what, what, what puts away my dislike is I don't necessarily think there's a better fix. With TJ Dillashaw being hurt, there's not really a better answer. So because of that, Luke, are you okay that the only stink surrounding this fight is that this is on pace to be the first UFC title fight in which both fighters enter coming off of a defeat. (laughs) I'll say this. That tells you that this situation has been mismanaged. You know, that when, when, when Sterling was going to be out, uh, because he was out with, you know, he, he got knee in the head and then he was out and then he had, he was like, well, now that I'm out, I need to get right if I'm going to defend this title. So he wanted to get the surgery. Any, I've never, I don't have his issue. I don't even know all the depths of it. I've had what can easily be classified as minor nerve damage issues. Dude, they just take time to heal. And that, that, that should have been known and obvious long time ago. They could have fixed this by granting interim title fight somewhere else in the middle beforehand. So 
Are these ideal circumstances? Far from it. But do I think that this is the best path to get back to normalcy given the present set of circumstances which you articulated? Sterling can't fight and a guy like TJ Dillashaw just still has to recover. What are you left with? You're left with this. Where number one, yes, both guys are coming off of losses, BC, but Peter Yan's situation, the knee, I mean, he was winning that fight up until he made that terrible mistake, and it was a bad mistake, but he was doing really well. And also, you can make a pretty clear argument that Sanhagen won that Dillashaw fight. Yes. I, I realize he didn't, but it was very, very close. So given all of those factors, and given what I think this will finally put the, 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 the train in motion in the right direction, I'm okay with it. Yeah, you had the best defense there. You know, I know there's some people going, oh, Stan Hagen, he got submitted by the champion and he just lost to the rightful number one contender. But there's different circumstances in here and it's a great fight. Lucas, not on our list, but it is related to this conversation because I did ask you whether you thought Sugar Shane Sean O'Malley the other day should parachute in and kind of take over the title opportunity. Him and Dominic Cruz are trading things on social media that suggest they might be fighting in December. Would that fight move you? Mm. moderately what about you yeah uh, yeah i would like like, sounds like you like it i would because we know where o'malley is right now with him saying look i'm not going to step up unless you pay me big money so why don't i just keep taking sort of not showcasey but you know not too far removed type of fights from that and if he's going to fight somebody in which he's going to be favored against i'd rather it be a name like cruz who could be back into a big fight where if cruz did win that it wouldn't matter what Keith Peterson smells like. You're, you know, you'd make a big leap back into relevancy. I, I kind of like it. I like the personalities. I like the style contrast. Yeah, Luke, I don't, I don't, I don't hate this shit, Luke. All right, fair enough. Well, that'll be a fun fight. Can't wait to see it. And you're gonna get it for free. I just double checked. It is. It's not gonna be a pay per view, even though it's uh, a numbered event. UFC 267. All right. Also on that, uh, no, excuse me, not that card. Also, the news coming out. I love this fight, BC. I love everything about this fight. UFC Fight Night in December 4th. That's sure the number, but here's what we do know. Jose Aldo is going to fight Rob Font. And I'll tell you why I love this fight, BC, because Jose Aldo has had some struggles, even though going to 135, but has shown himself, obviously, of late to be still very much a formidable top five figure in that division. I think that's a fair way to put it. And Rob Font is a guy who's kind of always been there, always been there, but fallen short. He finally turns the corner with a series of good wins, punctuated by a drubbing of Cody Garbrandt. Dude, I love this contest. I think Rob Font is super underrated even now. Jose Aldo is a towering figure, but we know quite literally beatable at 135 pounds. Do you share my enthusiasm for this? Yeah, it's a really good fight, and I like that Font got rewarded. You know, he went in there against a big name in Garbrandt, had an opportunity to really put a, put his name out there for the, you know, for the, for the more casual level who may not know who he is. Well, they know who he is now, and now he gets Jose Aldo, who ain't done by any means. This is another one of those where the winner really gets to catapult higher toward that title shot in an already crowded division. Give it to me, Luke. This division, it just bangs. Luke, this division bangs, bro. That's the shit. I mean, we, we, should, we, should, get a, we so should buy good. a bus, right? The Bantamweight bang bus and just <laughs> ride around telling people how much this division bangs, right? By the way, I asked for names. It was so funny. This is sort of a bit of a tangent, BC, but you and I were talking about this over text. I asked for names. Like, hey, help me name this new podcast we're doing where we do all the extra leftover fights we don't get to on regular Monday's MK. And, dude, all of the names were just, like, porn names. They're like, yeah, just call it the Bang Bus and Captain Stabbin and, you know. I liked Bonus I was like, Bang, Luke. Bonus yeah. Bang. <laughs> yeah. Perv City. I'm like, guys, we're talking about a podcast of fights, not, 
your favorite porno sites. Yeah, just call it Eskimo Tube. I'm like, yeah. maybe, maybe don't do that. Uh, okay, back to the topic at hand. Another fight that got announced, and this one, I love it for a lot of reasons, and it's the right one to make. I know there's a lot of directions they could have gone, but they went with the right one. Derek Brunson is going to fight Jared Cannonier, UFC 270, January 22nd. There was some talk from Eugene Behrman. He told Submission Radio they kind of thought they were going to get Brunson before they got Whitaker again, which I found kind of odd. And sure enough, here we are, BC. What do you think? No, it's the right fight to make because you're not going to do Adesanya Whitaker 2 until early next year because of those COVID travel situations. Didn't we hear a rumor, Luke, that January or February was the new target area for that fight? Maybe off a comment Dana said. Um, So, look, as much as I love Brunson's win streak and even Cannoneer, you know, reinventing himself off that Whitaker loss, they both need one more win, in my opinion. Might as well go against each other. Very good matchup. Really interesting. interested to see if Brunson can raise his, you know, his comeback and his resurgence one level higher. Because, bro, I could not be higher on who Cannoneer really is right now and, and and what where where he's at as a as a boxer, you know, a guy who's really putting it all together, Luke. He's not just a one punch knockout guy. I mean he's putting it together, I believe. And I think he learned a lot from that Whitaker loss. Luke, this is uh, an area of topic related to this that you don't like, that I can be critical about a man's appearance. But I like Derek Brunson's change to the full time Cisco blonde look, but he's starting to go a little thin up there. Should we hold it against him that he's sticking to the blonde young look when it's obvious that things are changing? I mean, should he be the one that notices this before us and takes action? Am I being an don't, a-hole, Luke? Don't you, don't you take what's left of him from him, BC. Don't you take okay. that. We're not, his, you got, I feel like before you really get on someone for that, and I realize that my shit's falling out like it's on fire, but like you got to get to like Kevin Durant level where there's like a clear, unequivocal patch of land where the grass just doesn't grow anymore. I feel like if yeah. you're thinning, you can still probably get away with it. But I do agree that the days of that are numbered. In fairness to both these guys, though, and more serious than OBC, here are we talked. We just talked about Rob Font, who was kind of there but fell, kind of there but fell, and then he really appears to have turned a corner. Whether he'll win a title, I don't know, but he is deserving of this Aldo fight, flat out, no argument about it. Brunson and Cannoneer are very much deserving of this fight because it seems to me like the winner of this will probably get a title shot. And both Brunson and Cannoneer are guys who have been there quite literally against the very best and kind of fallen over. And in this late moment in their career with Cannoneer getting the right weight class, with Brunson finally understanding how to apply his game in a more measured and refined way, they have earned this opportunity. They've earned this opportunity to prove that they, you know, the winner of this gets a title shot. But more importantly, dude, it, uh, you can look at Cannoneer's record or you can look at Brunson's record. If Brunson gets the win or if Cannoneer gets the win, you cannot look at that and say they didn't do everything reasonably asked of them to put themselves in a position for a title shot. You beat Cannoneer or conversely, if Cannoneer beats Brunson, that is to me so much good work in that fight and everything else that preceded it. Um, that I'd be happy, delighted to see this winner get a title shot. I, I agree, and and it's it, unfortunately in some other divisions like women's flyweight, sometimes you're like one or two good wins away from like, oh, this person hasn't fought Valentina yet. Let's throw her in there. You know, like I, I love that in these other more packed divisions, dude. You gotta earn that shit. This, this is what men do, Luke. Okay, I mean this is what women do too. When the division's loaded enough, we just don't have those divisions. There. <laughs> all right, Luke, so here's one I don't think. All? I don't want to huh? out you, but are you going a little thin on top? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, but here's the thing. I went and saw a specialist, and she says that it's uh, more from stress than male pattern baldness. So Ooh. she claims there are ways that if I was just less stressed, it would grow back. 
You're like, I got, like a, I got a medical license. What else do you want me to do to get happy? You know? I'm like, I'm like, I don't think you understand me very well. Asking me to be less stressed is asking me to be like, I don't know, less white or something. It ain't going to work. Um, yeah. All right. So let's go to the next one. Uh, this one BC doesn't like that much, which I'm kind of surprised by because I actually do. Heavyweight. UFC fight night on December 18th. Derek Lewis is going to fight Chris Dawkins. BC, why are you down on this one? Uh, who said I was down on this one, brah? I thought you said you were down on this one on on uh, the texts yesterday. No, no, no. The, I, maybe you misinterpreted my my jibber jabber. Uh, look, Chris, Chris Dawkins. I'm sure you talked about this, Luke, in your uh, in the de- debut of your solo deep diving MMA show, which the fans have wanted, Luke, for so damn. They just want intimate time with you, Luke. Okay, they just want. They're like, look, let me get the most straightforward. You know, like. No emotion, no no humor. Let me get the goods. They got it, okay? Look, Chris Douglas looks really good. For all the love that we he poured does. on Tom Aspinall for recently making a move, I'm not like Douglas even better. I, I mean, Aspinall may be a little more well-rounded in some intangible hard areas, but uh, Douglas can let those hands go at, a, at an elite level, Luke. You know what I mean? I don't know if his other areas are up there, but he also changed his haircut goatee and tack game, which kind of has given him a, a much cooler vibe. But look, let's be honest. This is a big leap. This is a big damn leap. This is a lot of people think they should do Dawkins against Aspinall right now in sort of a, you know, young John Jones against Ryan Bader type of type of crossroads fight. They're going this route instead. We're gonna find out right freaking now what this Philadelphia fighter has, Luke, because you know if you slip up just a bit, that, that man's that man's gonna that man's gonna send you. Okay? So um I'm very interested. I, I do think it's a leap though. I do think like you know, there, there, you know, you're maybe, I mean, it's not like I want to see him against Augusto Sakai, Sakai every week, but there's a leap, right, Luke? There's a pretty damn big leap. It's a, it's a, it's a big leap from what he's been fighting, but I got to tell you, Chris Dawkins, like, dude, he's a come forward, smash you up kind of guy, man. Like this is, this is not, I mean, I, who knows how the fight's going to go. He could change on a dime, but if he keeps fighting against Lewis, the way he's been fighting, this one has action written all over it. I don't know if Chris Dawkins is going to win, dude. Derek Lewis is a tough-ass customer. Um, but the fact that I don't know and the fact that I'm kind of excited by it and the fact that I, you know, you, I, I've slept on Dawkins, to be quite honest with you. You know, a lot of these guys with the heavyweight physiques that don't necessarily wow you, um, at first, it's, sometimes you're like, ah, how good can this guy be? He probably has big power, and that's about it. And he does have big power. But it seems like he's got a little bit more than just that. He made some good decisions in that fight against Shamil Abdurakhimov. I like this fight. I like this fight a lot. It's a good test. And uh, if, dude, the... if he wins and Aspinall wins, I think you have to do that fight at some point. I wish I could be like the translational voice of reason in your head of what you're trying to say. What Luke was trying to say there is normally I don't trust a man with A cups. Normally. But 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 you know, Dawkins has won you over, Luke, and I, I'm proud and happy to see it's that. It's less about that. It's more like the jiggly skin. Like there's a lot of extra skin, but like, you know, dude, he moves well. He hits hard. Like it just it's cosmetically the kind of thing that throws you off. But then hey, in tell actuality, that to Big what... Tuna, bro. Tell that to Big Tuna's face, all right? Yeah, dude, exactly. And Big Tuna was tweeting me the other day during the fights. He was all in on the Nick Diaz return. Shouts all to right, Big bro, Tuna. We got, we all right, that that's guy. it. You convinced me I gotta get Big Tuna on this show. All right. I gotta get Yeah, him. dude, we gotta get Big Tuna on the show, and if he hits it in the interview, we got to get some MK Big Tuna merch. I feel like wow. that would just be amazing. Do you envision uh, our- one day us creating a a Howard Stern whack pack MK style where we've got like Damien the Donk and and Big Tuna and uh uh oh that Jay can be dude dude Jay can be Beetlejuice. <laughs> 
we could get that David Appleton, that rapey French teacher involved. I mean, we got a nice team, Luke, that we're building here. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Speaking of uh, domestic abuse, uh, Greg Hardy uh, is taking on Alexi Olenek, UFC 270, January 22nd. BC, your thoughts? Um, uh, you know, get ready, Greg, because uh, there's a, what, what do we call that? Anaconda choke, Luke? Yeah, Line I actually one. got a, oh no, no, Ezekiel. It's the Ezekiel, Ezekiel choke. choke. Um, look, it, it's like every other Greg Hardy fight. He's either going to knock you out in round one or he's going to gas out badly and you're going to finish him. I'm going to go yeah, with the latter basically. here, Luke. I think Greg Hardy's stock is going in the wrong direction, even though there's still positives there with the, with the athleticism and power. And even though you really can never count a heavyweight out, you really can't, right? I mean, how many times do we count Andre Arlovsky out? You can't do it. But, uh, you know, even though Olenek is equally downsliding, this is, a, this is a tricky matchup for a guy in Hardy who who still has more savvy layers that he needs to acquire that can only come through time and experience. Uh, I would agree. I, I would just say this is like perfect matchmaking. It really Either is. Either Olenek, because yeah. Olenek has to know if he gets it to the ground, it's his fight to win, basically. I mean, we'll see, but probably. And Hardy has to know if he can just avoid the ground, he could probably knock this guy into the the bleachers. Because, dude, I'll say this, man: Greg Hardy's ground game is atrocious, right? Or, or, or non-existent. I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. His stand-up has looked good, and I know he got knocked out because he overpursued Tai Tuivasa. Um, so he did make some decisions there that were bad. But when he's making the decisions more appropriate for the challenge, like when he's really kind of flowing. He looks good, man. He's got good skills. He can actually he can actually do something with that. So we'll see how hey, he can put it all together. You mentioned Tai Tuivasa. I think he's fighting Augusto Sakai next. I kind of want to see Tuivasa against Chris Dawkins right now. I think that's the next step before that's Derek. That's an interesting Lewis. fight. That's yeah. an interesting fight. Huh. Yeah, that's I hadn't thought of it that way. I like that suggestion. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um alas, not where we are. Okay, for the PFL, we got some good fights coming up for them. It's championship now, night. Championship well, night. Yeah, championship night. People are going to sleep on this fight, and they shouldn't. Kayla Harrison's taking on Taylor Guardado. I'm pronouncing her name as the most gringo uh, imaginable. This will be the PFL Championship on October 27th. Let me say this about Guarda- uh, Guardado. Um, she's out of elite. Uh, excuse me. She's out of extreme couture. She's one of Eric Nixick's uh, understudies. Dude, she's talented. Now listen, she's going up against Kayla Harrison, who I actually think has an argument. Not in terms of who she's beaten, but just in terms of what the eyes tell you. She might be the best female fighter on the planet. Uh, in fact, I was talking to somebody who has seen Kayla and Amanda spar at ATT, and they were telling me that it's very competitive, that maybe Amanda's still a little bit better, maybe overall, but that Kayla gives her some serious problems along the way. And that's only with, what, 11 fights under her belt? Like, dude, Kayla Harrison's about to do special things with her career, and I'm quite sure of that. So listen, she deserves to be the favorite. She will probably win. I don't want to you know, uh, discount the reality of the situation. However, Guardado, dude, she's talented. I, I don't know if this is going to be her night, BC, but if it's not, there will be subsequent ones where she's going to get her hand raised in big, important bouts. Luke, I don't mean to disrespect you or anyone in the business that you know, or even Taylor Guardado, who I actually really enjoyed the way they presented her backstory on the last PFL card. But Luke, did you watch that split decision win she had in the, in the semifinals to make the finals? She's still fit, dude. She's three and one. She's three. Uh, okay, and one. like it is what it is, right? Like that's who's there for for Kayla to fight. It's not Guardado's fault. But as nice as you presented that, if you watched that split decision win, I don't. Th- I don't think you can say that, Luke. I really don't. I don't think you watched. It. I think you had the volume off. I think your kid was screaming and like 
someone accidentally bludgeoned her and Abuela's running by and like there's like uh, uh you know frittatas on the ov- on the stove and like then the alarm goes off and then you know they're like hey, Pepe can you really? come that's a, Pepe that's a get Columbia the fire thing. extinguisher but Pepe's upstairs just banging I mean he's just like I mean, Dude, Pepe's, Pepe's, just, Pepe's moving out did I tell you Pepe's moving out I, I mean there, there's not enough room for that BDE in your house okay so that's what I think happened much respect to Twi- Taylor Guardado but Luke we talk about the fighters fighting Valentina where it's like Man, they really don't have a shot at this level. This is next okay, level. Okay, but dude, so. you're talking about you're talking about Jose and Kayla Harrison, the most decorated Olympic judoka in American history, male or female, and then she has 11 fights. Dude, like Taylor is up against a mountain of a person, um, and I recognize that you can point out plenty of deficiencies in her game. I just feel like it's a. This is not the same as Lauren Murphy, who was like a, a, a long time serious vet. This is somebody who has just four fights. So. A little bit different for me. That's, That's what it. I'm basically trying to say to you, Luke. But I do have respect for you. But hey, how about how good this card is, Luke? And I know we don't have an equivalent to this in UFC or Bellator, where it's like one card of the year we load everything on, and the champions. I mean, we got we have majors in the UFC, but you talk about the championship uh, finals here. This welterweight one of Ray Cooper the third against Magomed Magomed Karimov, Luke, a rematch of the 2019 championship which was the last, or the 2018 one, the last time Ray Cooper lost, right? And then Ray Cooper won the 2019 tournament? Yes, that's right. Am I screwing that up? Either way, Luke, this fight's great. It's great. So yeah, Magomed Megamekakaramov, if you don't know who he is, he's he's one of those dudes from the Smesh Factory over there who's just tearing it up in PFL it has for quite some time. Ray Cooper III has done great work, obviously beating Jake Shields a couple seasons ago, but since then has looked pretty good as well. Soft-spoken, had him in studio. Not the most dynamic interview, but he's certainly dynamic in the cage. That'll be the same night. And BC, what do you think about this one? Clarissa Shields taking on 2-0 Abigail Montez, same night as the Harrison and Guardado yeah. fight, which of course will be October 27th. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, 2-0 two, two like is it a good, lot. the right fight. And it's the right placement. Look, this is going to be PFL's chance to get, you know, their biggest rating of the year, arguably. Although, look, in the past, having Rory McDonald in the main event may have meant something different. But the thing about their seasonal and playoff format is, look, the final night, you get championships. And to add a attraction-level fight, which is what this is for Clarissa Shields, uh, I'm really excited. Luke, that first fight, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, she almost had no business pulling it out. But she did, and she rallied and got up off the ground and won. Um, There was a lot to be impressed about for Clarissa, yet she still has a long way to go to answer questions. So, uh, you know, Elkin was Brittany Elkin was was you know a certain test that I was a little bit surprised that she passed it in the way she did. Now we got to see what she can do, uh, you know, on step two here against uh, against Montez, who has two fights. So. I don't know what we have here, Luke and, and Clarissa, beyond the fact that I guarantee we have entertainment. So this has been a fun experiment so far. I can't wait to see it. Again, I thought she showed exactly what you would imagine in terms of the weaknesses of her overall MMA game, given the circumstances. But she shows some natural dynamic striking, uh, willingness to go for the finish, a certain comfortability in ways she should not have had her first time out. And, you know, if you go to regional level MMA... You see this a lot. You see 1 and 0 versus 1 and 0, 1 and 0 versus 2 and 1, 1 and 0 versus 0 and 1. A 2 and 0 fighter is about right for what Clarissa Shields offers at this time. I'd like to see it. I can't wait. So a lot of good fights coming your way. Dude, finally, dude, finally. August and September sucked ass for the most part. I feel like October and on, we're going to be hitting on all cylinders, big fights all the time, dude. I'm I'm pretty excited. I- 
It's going to be fantastic. I mean, dude, we're only a week away from Fury Wilder 3, so all that fun we just had with the Joshua fight is going to get basically doubled. And then you you add in the Canelo and that MSG card on the same night. God, that December 11th UFC pay-per-view is badass. Um we're hearing Gervonta may come back this year, Luke. I, you know, yeah. I, I, if you, if you're asking me, BC, are you rock hard with emotion? I got a phoner, Luke. All right. With that in mind, I, I get. You know what? You waited 52 minutes before making that joke. I will give you credit. That took. I know. I know you've been itching to be like. I gotta tell another dick joke, and you waited 52 minutes for that. I commend you, good sir. All right. Topic number three. I think BC, I could be wrong about this one too, BC, so correct me if I am. I think you like this one more than I do. I find this to be a distracting and weird thing that I don't take seriously at all, but okay. Henry Cejudo has called out Alexander Volkanovsky. Now you might be saying, well, wait a second. Isn't Cejudo, the former flyweight champ, also bantamweight for a short amount of time, isn't that dude retired? Well, yes, but it doesn't matter. He told TMZ Sports, Brian Campbell, Alexander the average, the overgrown midget. This is a thing. It's not even a challenge against this ugly face. It's a challenge against Dana White. How are you going to doubt an Olympic champ? Olympic champ. How are you going to doubt a flyweight champ and a two-division champ? Not only do I believe I can beat him, BC, I know I can stop him. I saw good things from Volkanovski. There are still a lot of holes. I believe my height would be a problem for him because he's a couple inches taller than me. My speed, my wrestling, my experience. I've been there against the best. Alexander the Average had a great performance. It was a great fight. I just believe that I have the it factor to beat this dude, not to beat him, but to, to actually stop him. Let's make history. Dana White, if you're listening, this is a real message. Forget the cringe, BC. Oh, Forget the persona. It's heavy. This is a straight-up me. I am the greatest combat athlete of all time, he said. And I promise you, if you give me the opportunity, I will knock this dude out. He claims he's 165, and that 145 would fit him perfectly. Your reaction, Brian Campbell? I, I don't hate it. And, and look, the cringe is, is cringe. And I know our buddy, the captain, Eric Alberacin, is probably part of the fueling of this message. So shout out to the great captain. He, look, Luke, he was a uh, he got a you know he got an IMDb credit for his role in in Doc Number Three of the Morning Combat series. So we hmm. do love that fella. Put the cringe aside, Luke. The only thing unfortunate about this in my eyes, well, there's a couple of things, but the, the main thing is the timing, meaning, yes, you would understand from Cejudo, who's small in stature, if he's going to have a chance at being a three-division champion, the best chance will probably be against another smaller in stature guy in Volkanovski, although you can obviously argue whether their skills and all that match up. I say it's bad timing because I still feel like the world wants to see Max Holloway against Volkanovski 3. I still feel like people thought Max won the second one. Max came back against K Calvin Cater with arguably the best performance of his career. He's an all-time great. He's a superstar. He's still in his prime. I don't even think he needs to fight Yair in November, even though UFC is intent on doing this. Um, it would seem, Luke, if Max beats Yair, it's like you can't hold him back. He deserves it, Luke. I think the timing is wrong, but should UFC want to go down this road, I like it. Luke, I like the idea of history. I always thought Conor McGregor would be the first one to try to become or, or be given the first chance to try to become a three-division champion in the UFC. Now, for all we know, maybe he's fighting Usman next year. I mean, he may be given that chance first, for all we know, Luke. I also thought when Adesanya moved up to face Blahovich that maybe he was going to be the first one to do that. Does Cejudo deserve it? Well, Luke, I don't even think he deserved the second title shot he got in that moment when Dillashaw moved down. But we're past the point of deserving anymore in this type of matchmaking for the UFC. As long as Max gets the chance first, I'm okay with Cejudo pinning his comeback hopes around the idea of doing something no one's done before. Um, 
I think his time away has actually helped the way we look at his star power and his, his you know, pound-for-pound pound value and all of that. Tell me if I'm wrong, Luke. But yeah, cringe aside, I am interested in this project. Uh, why do you hate it? I don't think he's got a shot in hell, candidly. Um, he is incredible. Uh, his Olympic run was incredible. I think the – I have to verify this, but I believe when he won the gold medal – um, he had to rally from a deficit in points in all of the matches, including the gold medal match itself. Like this is a guy who's got a will. You'd be foolish to to discard uh, his win at 125 to become the champion was close, but I thought he won and beat Demetrius Johnson. Obviously, going up um, uh, at 135 and 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 winning the title there in the way that he did was remarkable. I mean, he's a remarkable human. I I, I will never say anything other than that. It it just it just to me it feels part of this like oh Volkanovski's good but he's not that good dude no fighter is perfect no fighter is perfect I spent hours yesterday um, breaking down this video in detail I I, I want to be clear with people about something I don't think even after the win over Brian Ortega even after that win I want to give him his props because he showed toughness forget about the toughness forget about the submission defense for just a second I want you to go back to the striking and I'm going to say something here that folks look at me very closely dude. Volkanovsky is doing things in that cage at a level and a pace and a tempo and uh, and a, with a certain methodology that no one in MMA is doing. And I keep seeing people being like, oh, well, this guy is beatable. Yes, there are things you can do to him that folks have not. For example, I really noticed yesterday that um, a guy like Ortega went away from the leg kicks. I think leg kicking would be big against a guy like Ortega. Excuse me, uh, Volkanovsky um, as a way to disrupt all the things he does. There is a level of detail and a level of systemic implementation about what he's doing that the that 99% of the UFC roster isn't doing. Guys, Volkanovski is not just underrated, it's comical to watch people talk about his abilities as like, well, he's good, but you know, he's not that good. No, he's that good. Well, he look, is, let me counter he, you. He is alarmingly ahead of it. BC, last thing I'll say, because you can get in here. Well, I want He's to counter just... you and ask you a question about what you just said, Luke, okay? Go ahead. What I was going to say is that, you know, I'm no longer one of those people that you would send that rant at. Like, I'm one over. I know who this man is, Volkanovsky. I watched him piece up Ortega on the feet, okay? I know what's going on here. But correct me if I'm wrong. Cejudo kind of became the Bantamweight version of that against no. Cruz, Dillashaw, Marais. <laughs> no. Dude, his and game so, to listen, some degree. Well, now, look, if you want to say the size difference, will will no, no, will dude, end it, no, that's no. Fine. They have, they have, no, 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 no. I'll stop okay, you there. Okay, look, radic- not mirror dude. image, but you can't argue against the idea that Cejudo, fight IQ wise, proved that he was above his opponents during that recent run. Uh, his fight IQ is extraordinary. I'll give you that. Um, his athletic gifts are phenomenal, dude. Cejudo is a phenomenal fighter. Like, this is not a question about whether he's good. But two comments I would make. One, I still think even for a smaller 145, Volkanovski would be physically too much for him. Demetrius Johnson could physically hang with him at 125, so to keep that in mind. And DJ's a great athlete too, but a 125-er. The other part about it is, dude, I'll give give, uh, a guy like uh, Cejudo some credit. I think his... Uh, not just his metal and his physical gifts and his IQ is is great. His striking is phenomenal, dude. His coach Eddie Cha from like their win over Dominic Cruz, dude. Eddie Cha is brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. I interviewed him. I was blown away by how smart he was. Please don't misunderstand me to make you think that I'm like like a guy like Cejudo uh, is not an extraordinary talent. 
But dude, I'm telling you about this. Nobody, nobody strikes with the kind of implementation, the, the plan that he has. Here is what Volkanovsky does in a nutshell. I'll make it this simple. Dude, he forces you to make an incomprehensible amount of decisions in a narrow amount of time. And that's why, like, ask yourself, dude, how is he landing on these guys and he's just stealing on them and they don't even see it coming? Dude, it is because he he, they, he has a, a way of implementing his game where he's making you make decisions like that, and they can't do it. They get overloaded, and as a consequence, they have no regard for or, or awareness of where he's going to be, and he fucking crushes them with it over and over again. Adesanya is the closest thing to that, and he does some other things a little bit differently. Nobody strikes like him, and you add in the size—not tremendous disparity, but the size advantage. And Volk's already sort of, you know, out of his weight class there in 145 in terms of how strong he is. No, I don't think this is even remotely com- uh, a, a, a competitive fight. Well, look, I, the size difference is something we'd have to see, but I think Cejudo, who I was—it's weird. I loved Cejudo when he came to the UFC. Loved the attitude, the confidence, all that. Then I kind of turned against him, Luke, and then he won me back over with his. <laughs> pound-for-pound pound level ability and IQ and just what he can do. And, I mean, look, how could he not, dude? He was he was incredible. That that run he went on was incredible. Um, let me ask you this. I, I think he let's can say, do let's – say, let's, let's say we can meet halfway, which is to say the following. We pump, uh, we pump Cejudo into 145 with one condition. You got to beat one top contender-ish guy. Like, who's the guy on the roster, not Max or anybody else, Who's the guy on the roster that Cejudo could beat that you would say, aha, okay, you can beat that well, guy, you can get the title shot? The reason why I don't want to answer this question, Luke, is because I do believe that this division is difficult for him. Like, look, anytime you're going to try to be, try to become the first three-division champion, you're daring to be great on a level where you're going to be doubted. Like, it's obvious. But I do think because of Volkanovski's height, even though he does have a deceivingly long reach, that is, I think, a part of what Cejudo looks at and says, okay, uh, this guy can strike, but he's not, you know, known as a as a knockout killer. Even though he can do that, if you give him that opening, I just think Volkanovski might be that perfect matchup for him, where the size isn't as much of a factor. Where if you're like, okay, name another featherweight, I'm like, this guy, oh, he's super long, maybe he'll have problems. You know, sometimes styles do make fights, Luke. All I'm saying is, Cejudo would he be the underdog? Yes. Would we have concerns of his size? Yes. But I think you should not make the concerns about his IQ because as great as Volkanovski no, is, this guy is very, 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 very good, too. Um, Luke, finally, quickly, I mean, people want to, people are like, yo, I used to love morning combat, and then BC scored round three, 10-9 for Ortega. I'm sorry, I unsubscribed. I can't watch the show anymore. BC's a Karen. He's a cancel culturer. He's an idiot. <laughs> All right, folks, can we have a quick talk real quick? It's quick, okay? Was it was 10-8 Ortega wrong? Yeah, okay, it was wrong. It was the wrong score in hindsight. But if you can't get in line on the argument that maybe 10-10 is the right score or some level of even scoring, I get it. He had to be helped up, and he barely continued the fight after round three, meaning Ortega. He got grounded, pounded, yes. He also dropped Volkanovski with a punch and twice came within like a second of submitting him. So can we please act like just because he finished the round on the bottom that it doesn't, like it doesn't erase everything he just did right there? Also, Luke's people saying... You and I both did not factor in what that headbutt would shatter Ortega's nose did to his chances. Yes, it's not you know it wasn't purposeful. I, th- I found it. it happens, I found but... it on the ta- I found it on the tape last night. It happens at three fifty eight of round three. It's bad. It's bad. He gets hit. He gets hit really hard by it. 
So that did play a role. I'm not acting like it wasn't. I wasn't going to use that as an excuse, but it did play a role. But Luke, come on. This ain't automatically a... They're like, no, it would have been a 10-7 Volkanovski round and what Ortega did made it a 10-8. Get the... Get the f out! All right, I mean, come on, Luke. Yeah, I least, did. I did go back and back watch the up. triangle. The triangle you didn't back was me up not against as... Mayweather or Thompson. Okay, can you back me up here? Oh Jesus! How about this? Speak of the devil. Brian Ortega has revealed he had a fractured orbital bone and bruised ribs and lost to Volkanovski. Yeah, dude, he got yeah. fucked up in that one, man. Yeah, he did. He that did. damage is he's got to he's got to take care of himself. I really hope he does. Um, all right, BC. Let's get to the uh, topic or, four. Or, man. This or one... he'll be living in a van down the rip by the river with Darren Elkins. But by the way, you didn't answer the question, Luke. Ten ten. Right. Come on, bro. Answer the question. Get my back for once. Ten ten. Ten ten. I disagree with. Uh, now that I've gone back and seen it a couple of times, obviously, which is not what happens in real time. I. Uh oh. What happened? Did we lose you? We let, I'm lose here. BC. I'm I'm, yeah, okay. I'm not going anywhere, bro. I'm here. I, I would say ten nine is the right call. I don't think ten ten is crazy. I don't think ten ten is crazy, but I disagree with it. All right, All right. let's get to topic four if we can. I'm assuming the show is still on the air. Am I BC, here, Scaff? Am I here? Am I on the show right now? Yeah. What's the word, fellas? Do you hear them, dude? I don't even hear them. Okay. Oh, they're they here. told me I'm All still right. here. All right. Great. All right. Let's get to topic four. BC Manny Pacquiao has checked. officially retired. I know that there was. He said he was kind of retired, and then his people came out and were like, no, he's not retired at all, and now it's official. He made a video about it. He declared it unequivocally. He's retired. The only eight-division champion in boxing history. What did he start off on BC? Like 108 or something, and he made it to 154. He started at 106 as a 16-year-old in 1995, Luke. 1995, bro. I know. One of my first dates ever with my now wife. She was my girlfriend then. We watched. She's a big She actually likes boxing more than MMA. We went and saw Pacquiao fight um, De La Hoya. And, dude, I remember thinking, that's going to be close, you know, I don't know. And then he went in there and beat the fucking brakes off of him. And I remember when Margarito wasn't supposed to, was supposed to be too big, and he fucking laid the waist to him. And, you know, even the Marquez fight where he got his own comeuppance and everything, also the fourth one anyway, whatever it was. But in any case, BC, this guy was a hero to MMA editors everywhere because whenever he fought, it would be a torrential downpour of traffic he's part of the biggest bout at least in terms of uh, commercial sales and pay-per-view in boxing history maybe even combat sports history what can you say about the legendary manny pack well i can say a lot luke and i'll actually be saying more in a in a bonus video today on morning combat on youtube.com slash morning combat just essentially looking at like you know five reasons why this you this legacy is so unique and it'll probably uh never be equaled again uh but here's one specific thing i want to talk about luke um First, can we throw to the video here? Pacquiao had like an impromptu press conference over his Facebook page last night. Manny had to say in terms of saying goodbye. Boxing has always been my passion. I was given the opportunity of representing the Philippines bringing fame and honor to my country every time I enter the ring. I am grateful for all my accomplishments and the opportunity to inspire the fans. Uh, just a little snippet there of what we heard from Manny Pacquiao. A lot of that, a lot of that was into dialogue. I have Thank to you. call Rafe Bartholomew for a translation. 
Um, here's the deal, Luke. I got a text from from a guy I respect a lot, a, a Toronto-based uh, combat sports journalist named Chris Mettler, a big friend of mine. He was like, you know, I, I'm emotionally distraught from this. And I was just like thinking for a second, like, it's not like we knew this wasn't coming, right? It's not like don't know what you got till it's gone. Even though Manny's been front and center in most of our boxing fandoms for like more than two decades. Like it's insane. Tw- 26-year career, 72 pro fights. But he made one other comment to me that opened my eyes. He said this was the closest thing in our era that we had to Muhammad Ali. That, you know, mm. all of our dads and grandfathers just like revered this man, Ali. Rightfully so, right? And then the Ken Burns PBC documentary just launched. And I'm really interested in watching that. Supposedly like the definitive, definitive documentary on a guy that's been documented ad nauseum. Luke, when you look at what Pacquiao has done... I mean, it's not just taking chances in the ring. It's not just the fact that he has almost like three mini Hall of Fame careers and one giant one or the the stupid longevity. I don't know if we've had a, a, a crossover cultural, social icon on this level that, that really does to some degree give you Ali feels. And it's not like Pacquiao hasn't had his own controversies. It's not like, you know, you may not disagree at all with his political stances in the Philippines or his history on human rights issues and all of that. But here's like a guy who literally came from nothing. Third world poverty was skipped, you know, cut high school to essentially sell cigarettes and donuts on the side of the road because his single mom of six kids couldn't make ends meet in their already impoverished area left his home city to go to Manila to to try to get construction work and then to try to send money home and then, you know, lives on the streets at some times and then stumbles into boxing. And from there, Luke, he's like the most unlikely pay-per-view crossover superstar that we've ever had. Small guy from Asia in the small weight classes who barely spoke English, yet with his frosted tips and no-fear trunks with the lightning bolts, he just arrives on American TV in 2001 and it's just this hurricane of activity. And his fights, especially the ones in the 2000s, Luke, they're just all bangers against Hall of Famers like Barrera, Marquez, and, and Morales. He fought those three guys eight total times. Luke, he fought with a hunger that if he was still that guy on the side of the road and yet was like the most humble, sincere, graceful representative. Luke, he had losses against... You know, Tim Bradley and Jeff Horn, which we're seeing here, that were, like, considered outright robberies. He never complained. He was in the biggest fight of our era. He came up just short against, you know, another great all-timer in Floyd Mayweather, who, by proxy of having beaten him, kind of gets the nod of of the face of this era. Yet Pacquiao, you know, withstands a couple different eras, Luke, and I think his legacy is ultimately unique. I mean, who would have thought a boxer who lived on the streets is going to end up running for, you know, pre- the president of his own nation and had this crossover love affair with our, with, with American sporting fans during that stretch that you talked about when he improbably knocked out De La Hoya, Hatton, uh, Kodo, and he ends up on Jimmy Kimmel doing karaoke. And it's like, how did we get there? Who is this guy? Yet for two full decades, he was like a surefire, reliable pay-per-view star. If you bought the fight more often than not, you got your money's worth. And he never backed down from challenges. He did impossible things in the ring. Luke, I know we kind of praised him a lot heading into that Ugas fight because we thought it might be the last one. It turns out for now, at least it is. This is no disrespect to the great Floyd Mayweather, who I think is the face of this modern era. But nobody has a resume or a legacy like Manny Pacquiao. And I, I really, you know, 
even just eight division champion alone, I don't think anybody will ever. I think this mm. was that special, special, unique crossover character, and we were lucky to to have had a front row seat to it. I think the Ali comparisons fall a little flat for me, only because um, you know Ali was. I watched. Did you watch the Ken Burns documentary on him? Not yet, but I'm looking forward to it. It's 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 good, dude. It's really good. They have lots of these really old, amazing photos, and even some in you know tons of eyewitness accounts and people who were with him, and they give you all this context. Dude, Ali was front and center in these culture wars of the 60s and 70s that were um you know monumental to defining how life went in in the 20th century for a, well, a lot of Well, it's not a direct comparison, Luke. Let's be fair. I, I understand. I just mean like 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 it's hard on that level there can be no comparison. How about that? On that particular level. But but all the other things I can understand. And also, it should not be I mean, dude, child homelessness is a thing in the Philippines. We were talking about a very poor country. Um and you know, for him to raise himself from the mud to where he is now is simply extraordinary. You can argue with his political views, which are, to put it kindly, retrograde. I mean, he is not especially progressive, but, um, you know, his uh, contributions to boxing in this, this last 20 years are extraordinary, extraordinary to watch him. And BC, it was kind of funny, you know, he was Dana White's favorite boxer of this era. I remember when he bought the uh, the sort of the Pacquiao shoes that he thought were super cool. And why, dude? Because he was all action all the time. And he had some duds along the way. Joshua Clotty didn't really help him out. Okay, fine. And, the, and then the fight with Mayweather, I don't know if it lived up to everyone's you know uh, ac- uh, action expectations, but you know, you're mentioning the wins. Uh, Barrera, Eric Morales, Marquez, Miguel Cotto, Antonio Margarito, Ricky Hatton, Timothy Bradley, and then just what two years ago or whatever it was, he beat Keith Thurman and became the oldest welterweight champion in boxing history. I mean, this guy has been doing the impossible. Truly, truly, I mean that the impossible for his whole life. So I don't know what his electoral chances are in the Philippines, but it should not surprise anyone if he finds himself in uh, in that position either. Yeah, and there was some last minute sort of rumors and rumbling before this announcement, Luke, that he was considering a December comeback, by the way, that, you know, some thought would have been sort of a little bit of a desperate arcing, overarching political slanting move where if I can come back and, you know, redeem a loss, I'll, I'll help get voted in. But, you know, say what you will at any point. God, he always fought the best, Luke. He was trying to fight Errol Spence two months ago. I mean, he's trying to fight Errol Spence. Like, come on, he's 42. Like, it's, it's, that's why he's everyone's favorite fighter. That's why he was that crossover to the casual marketplace because when you paid for him, he delivered, and he had that old-school feel. I mean, look, he was getting compared to Henry Armstrong after he beat Miguel Cotto. You realize Henry Armstrong, back when boxing had eight divisions and only one champion, was the reigning champion in three separate weight classes at the same time. Like, again, boxing is the only Benjamin Button sport where the guys of today don't hold a freaking candle to the guys from 50, 60, 70 years ago, you know, based on what we're up against and all that. And, and you know, Pacquiao entered that conversation, which is remarkable. Um, so look out for BC's bigger, broader view on one of the most important combat athletes of our generation finally retiring. That'll be out on MK a little bit later. Let's go to topic number five here, BC, with a longer show that we're hitting here. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about this except LOL. <laughs> and I feel oh. bad for the fighters involved here. I really do. I don't I don't laugh at them, but I just laugh. I could not believe people being like, yo, Triller spent more money on shows. They spent a lot of money on this purse bid. They're revolutionizing the boxing model. Oh, I'm sorry. You say revolutionizing? How are you revolutionizing the boxing model by being unable to stage an event? So apparently... 
George Cambosis Jr., who was supposed to fight Teofimo Lopez. Lopez, the guy who beat Lomachenko. He's amazing, right? We had him on the show. Lopez agreed, even though he told us he was never going to. He agreed to put the fight for the, what, the sixth change or whatever it is at this point in October 16th and from MSG to Barclays to line it up with their versus battle they're going to do there. Cambosis said, nah, not doing it. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated reported that he had blown up the fight against Cambosis, has called for Triller to, quote, be barred from future purse bids for, quote, its egregious behavior. There are indications, however, BC, that Matchroom, which had the next highest bid, would want to pick that up. Matchroom would not assume the October 16th day, but would target one in November. BC, L-O-F-ing L. It's what a complete a mess. train wreck, a waste of a young talent sort of early prime year at age 24. He just beat Lomachenko last fall. We probably should have already seen a pay-per-view rematch between them, and then he should be on his way to moving up to 140 once Josh Taylor in all four belts. Instead, here we are. The, the fine detail update of how we got there, Luke, was we all thought when Teo finally agreed to move the date that he did so for stupid money, uh, Dan Rayfield reported he had copy of uh, you know proof that showed that Lopez wasn't even offered anything extra to move it. He just basically got so frustrated he just wanted to get it over with. It was Cambosos who was like, unless you can put an additional three hundred plus thousand dollars in escrow and show me proof of it as a reason for me to move this date and change my flights from Australia and all that, I ain't doing it. Trailer refused, and that's where we are now. Cambosos is trying to get IBF to basically, you know, ban Triller from promoting fights. Luke, I don't know if there's a nail in the coffin for Triller, but it's. It's the it's the it's where we thought they would be right now, unfortunately, and it, it sucks for the two fighters and everyone involved. Like you said, Eddie Hearn may jump in and try to put it on later. Who knows? It could default back to Bob Ehrman top rank. But the problem mostly is that like we weren't even that excited for this fight. It's a mandatory. It's just that we want to see Teo. We want to see advancement here. And this is this is God. It's let, me, bad. let me ask you this, BC. God. Do you think? Was it wrong for him to quote unquote bet on himself in this dispute with Aaron? I mean, here's the here's the reality: he has sat on the shelf not for so long. It's ruinous, but you know he. You're right; he should have already fought by now, and we are wasting time. However, it did result in a newer deal with Top Rank. They they reached a new agreement so that after this fight, if it had taken place already, he would go back to their auspices and everything would be under a new arrangement. Did he at the time we were like, dude, Teofimo betting himself? It's great. Now it's like. Careful who you get into business with here because these risks can really be quite costly. Yeah, you know, he, to your point, he may come out better from this because of the increased financial deal. And who knows what all this attention from all these headlines and us talking about it, does that go down as a negative long run or does it not matter if he comes back in there and knocks out Cambosos and then tries to set up a big fight moving forward? But uh, it was a power move by him, Luke, that even if he doesn't get the money, maybe it did work out in getting the deal he felt he deserved right now coming off of that Lomachenko win. I think it's unfortunate that we're not going to see that rematch. I think that first fight was clear but close enough where you would want to see if Lomachenko started earlier, would that be a different fight? I don't even know what we're going to see now, Luke. I don't know if we're going to see it. I don't know if we're going to see Triller again. It's, it's again, it's, it's LOL, but it's sad at the same time. So let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. All right. Well, with that in mind, those are our top five topics they are done with. It is time for... BC, you want to take over this one? We haven't done this one in a while, but we have a great run here. So it's time for social justice. Some SJ dubs. Uh, shout out to our producer, Mikey Morms, for throwing this shit together, Luke. When the fighters are going to fight on the interwebs... We're going to tell you about it. Our first matchup here is a two that have seen a lot of each other, Oscar De La Hoya and Dana White. Lucas started with this tweet after UFC 266. Hey, Alex Volkanovsky, you just won a brutal battle and made 1 20th of what you're worth. 
at Dana White, have some fucking respect for yourself and these fighters and pay these warriors what they deserve. Luke, what was Dana's response? I'm sure it was measured and kind and thoughtful. Uh, it was shut the fuck up, you crackhead, uh, faking that you had COVID and robbing me of watching you get KTFO'd by Vitor Belfort. You should win an Academy Award for your hospital performance. Well, Oscar came back and said, that's all you got. You're accusing me of faking a virus that has killed almost 700,000 Americans to avoid a fight. You pathetic POS, you've never even laced up gloves, and you've completely ignored my original point I made about underpaying your fighters. Luke, this went on for another uh, a lot. And really where it ended was Dana pointing out that Oscar lied about how much he actually paid Chuck and Tito for their laughable third fight for the launch of Golden Boy MMA and at least tried to explain through that that Oscar was wrong. But Luke, to Oscar's point, Dana did never uh, you know, address the actual... The actual elephant here that was They never presented. do because they can't. They can't. There's nothing you could say. I mean, he, 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 he so yesterday he brought the documents to the uh, Contender Series presser, which has taken on, by the way, a new re amount of relevance now that, like, you know, if you're coming off a major fight week, the next time you're probably going to talk to Dan, if he doesn't talk to the media afterwards, which he's not doing as much, is those Contender Series pressers. They're pretty big, actually. So, um, but, he, you know, listen, here's what the UFC benefits from. The UFC has had a series of detractors that have made arguments and the arguments themselves can be correct but the people making the arguments are so hypocritical or otherwise full of shit in some kind of way so as to make it easy targets to get attacked back and de la hoya if anything is that especially with the stuff he's done on the mma side of the business it's pretty gross to make fun of a guy's addiction but you know this is mma people say horrible shit to each other so there's that but the point about the fighter pay is i said this a long time ago dude after the the, the documents came out the argument's over. They can say what they want about, like, oh, we reinvest into the business, and that's true. But it's all beside the point. The point is not what you've done with the money. The point is whose money is it. Yeah. That's the point. That's Dana the point. should just we, come out and be like, BC was right. Uh, we do pay them off the books a ton to keep them happy. Because, look, <laughs> Dude, if he, had said that, if he had said that, I'd be like, you know what? There is a curse. He goes, yeah, Brian but, Campbell, Brian Campbell got us, bro. There's no receipts for this shit we're yo, paying. Kick that, John Nash. Uh, did you see that Michael Chandler came out and essentially sided with Dana in regards to this about how fighters complain about their contracts, yet they're the ones signing it and all this? And then both uh, Nate Quarry, your old uh, co-host, and uh, mm -hmm. John Nash came out and were like, oh, my God, how, how insane is this asylum uh, when the, you know, the inmates are, are supporting the abuse? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like Michael Chandler a lot. I do think he's a bright guy, but he's got Stockholm Syndrome as it relates to this particular Well, maybe issue. he's getting paid a whole hell of a lot more than we realize. Who knows, Luke? All right, let's uh, listen, move I'm sure on. He's making good. I'm sure he's making good money. The question is, is he making all the money he's entitled to? That's different. Good point. All right, the UFC 266 broadcast this weekend did not feature Joe Rogan, who was off on a hunting trip. Paul Felder, the iron lung, filled in, and Marvin Vittori was not happy. He tweeted, quote, had to mute the comment on the fights. Can't stand Felder, LOL, worst to ever do it. Paul responded with, am I using too many big words? I'm sorry, Marvin. Then Marvin called him a puppet, Luke. Paul responded with, why? Because I have a job or because I called it like it was in your last fight? Yeah. Marvin's like, yo, it's not even about me. You are double-faced. You have no problems calling a fight one-sided when it's really not and would go out of your way to back your opinions up with lies that you know are lies, bitch. Well, I added that part. But you keep lying. I guess people love it nowadays. So Paul Felder ended it with, well, I'll do my best not to do that on October 23rd. I think you are a talented fighter. 
I don't mean to upset you. If you don't like it, that's not my job. Talk soon. Luke, are we going to see this uh, culminated in anything? Because Felder did say on the air that he may be retired from UFC fights, but not street fights. That's right. Yeah, well, Marvin Vittori is a big boy. I don't know if Paul Felder wants that smoke, and I don't think he's really being serious about it. But, uh, yeah, dude, listen, giving your uh, fighters don't want to admit this, and th- th- it's true to varying degrees, but it's just universally true. They're the most sensitive people on the planet. They're the most sensitive people on the planet, and they cannot tolerate any kind of criticism, whether it's fair or not. Now, again, I'm, uh, these are broad strokes. There's going to be a lot of fighters who are like, you know, that's not true, or they'll take some, but not some other ones. And listen, it can't be hard for two jamokes, two washed losers like you and me to be like, I thought your performance was bad. Like, that has to be terrible to kind of tolerate. I get that. But it is also true that they cannot stomach even a little bit of criticism. And it doesn't, by the way, matter. It doesn't matter who you are. Oh, Luke, you weren't a fighter. Okay, fine. Here's Paul Felder, who was a fighter. Oh, but Paul, you weren't a champion. They'll always find some reason in your background to discredit the opinion. And I always go back to the same argument, BC. An argument is true whether or not the person making it is or is not a hypocrite about it. Either an argument is true or it is not true. Who is delivering that argument to you is irrelevant. But that's, you know, time for another. Look, whether it's boxing or MMA, the UFC guys are like a Tim Bradley. I respect any of these guys on the air or even people that have their own podcast who will tell it like it is regardless of whether they're a world champion or a company just pays them to entertain and educate and tell. I mean, do you want a watered-down show? And what you well, it wasn't okay. No, tell them it sucked. What are you going to do? I mean, what, I, I'm not a fighter. I'm not trying to fight these guys, Luke, but we got paid. We get paid to give opinions, so give that shit. If your show's also, not like, giving that shit. And also, like, everybody so, wants the world to indulge the fictions they tell themselves. Everyone tells themselves, you, me, everybody, we all tell ourselves a certain amount of fictions that we want the world to accept, like, it's our job to not accept them. You know, it's our job to tell the truth as best we can figure it out, and uh, we do. Yep. Okay, that that is it. You know, like Aaron Bronstetter, I love you, man. Were you a star athlete, like you said, in high school? I got to see the receipts, all right? I know. He's like, he played, like, three sports, which I believe. But it was like, dude, if you went to my high school... You ain't playing three sports. Yo, come to Valdosta with that shit, Bronny, all right? Yeah. All right, Luke, our <laughs> no, final... I'm just saying, dude. Like, the kids... I mean, you go to a... I, I, went, I mean, how many people when you were graduating high school class, BC? I think it was 340. Okay, so we had 600 in my graduating Good class. Good Lord, right. Luke. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Dude. Luke, yeah, I'm in one of the bigger... Let me explain something to you. I, to hold make on. Varsity... I went to one of the bigger high schools in Connecticut. Not New Britain or Danbury level, but, like, one of the bigger ones. Where yeah. you went to, that's like a institution, Luke. They held the. They had to hold the graduation at the local university. It wasn't big. Wow. Enough. I, I want to explain something. To make the varsity on that basketball team or that football team or whatever, you had to be you know reasonably formidable. And I love Bronstetter, but he ain't making three sports in the high school I went to. It ain't gonna happen. Oh wow! Love well, you, this is love you Bronstetter. School. This is Mississauga, Ontario High School, okay? Uh, all right, our final beef, Luke. Of course, Tyron Woodley got the uh, I Love Jake Paul tattoo on his finger, and he tweeted, what's your excuse again, Jake Paul? Dan Hardy, <coughs> excuse me as my Bobby Brady, Peter Brady voice changes, tweeted, anyone who has a tattoo knows that's not a tattoo. See, hold on. What a, Can we stop there? Can we stop there? Did I not? I, see, this is why I love Dan. And actually, I, I was going to say, I really like this beef. I think it's awesome. I, ho- I I think Dan wants to fight him. I think that's why he's doing all of this and so whatnot. But it, Dan is wrong a little. Dan is wrong a little bit. He was like, anyone who's got a tattoo could see that that's not a real tattoo. Well, I've got Dan's got really good tattoos. Actually, he's got phenomenal black and gray work. Yeah. But I've got a fair amount of tattoos <laughs> as well. 
it was clear to me that at a bare minimum, the I and the Jake and the Paul were real because it has a certain purpley orange look around the lettering, which only happens from tattooing. So anyway, and Ariel put out a video showing it being done, I believe, as well. Also, uh, you know, Dan Hardy, great taste in women. Luke, let's keep this going. He says, see, and put a pic of the finger with it's just pen written on it. Tyron Woodley came back, you were saying, with the video of him getting the tattoo. Dan says, so you left out the love part, and that's written in pen. T. Woodley, well played. It looks like a tattoo your friend did when you were both drunk. An embarrassing tattoo is one thing, but a bad embarrassing tat is a whole other. Tyron said, your UFC career is embarrassing. Your claim to fame is getting stopped by GSP and didn't die. Everything was by design. Can we stop here? Can we stop here? Who is the production assistant who just left in the Crystal Palace versus Brighton (laughs) fucking (laughs) results here? I mean... Is this the worst job of cure? Blow this up. Blow this up, Manich. Blow this up, please. I want to see this. Here at MK, you can get Tyron Woodley tweets, and you can get results from the Dolphins. Go back. Don't you change it. Don't you change it. Go back to that. Yes, thank you. You can get Miami versus Las Vegas results, BC. Tampa Bay, by the way, losing to the Los Angeles Rams. And Crystal Palace taking on Brighton all at the same time with your Tyron Woodley tweets. That's a Mike. That's got to be a Mikey thing. Uh, Tyron, a great job by, curating. Tyron said, "I'll keep setting trends while you tweet." Dan said, "You're trending because you've got Jake Paul tattooed on your <laughs> finger." More of these. Well done. Congrats on your championship success. I remember the crowds booing in appreciation as you were, as you wore your heel out against the fence, backing up and avoiding the fight. Tyron said, belts and titles, things you dreamed of. They cheered as you were carried out on a stretcher. Champs now were in diapers the last time you fought. Keep living your dream on the bag in your garage. From outlaw to uber black driver. Wow. Finally, Hardy says, we're the same age, you fool. It's just that I was competing in the UFC a bit earlier during the reign of the greatest welterweight champ of all time. You came after. Luke, be honest. Who won? Uh, neither, neither, because Dan would have been right if he was right about the tattoos, but he was wrong about the tattoo. Um, so that didn't quite work, but I got to say, I, 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 Dan's been, I've been interviewing Dan for a while. He's been looking for a fight that kind of made sense and I have to agree with him. I actually feel like this one might make sense as a boxing or MMA fight. I don't mean in MMA, their careers are, you know, what the best of their work is obviously quite behind him at this point. So, like, what would be the reason to do it one way or the other? I guess it would depend on your preference on what's available. But I have to say, I I kind of want to see that one. That one I'm a little bit intrigued by, to be honest with you. Oh, wow. Uh, I believe he's still under contract with the UFC, though. No, he got, oh. As a fighter, not a not a broadcaster. He didn't get released from that either? I don't I think know. they released him. All right. It'd be interesting. Let's see. Let's see what happens, okay? All right, Luke, that's your SJW for the week. Judge uh, Luke Bader Ginsburg was presiding over that. And now we go to a recurring segment, Luke, where I throw out a hot take, and you tell me if I'm batshit crazy or onto something. It's called Call, Call Me crazy. crazy. Call Me c- Crazy. All right, Luke, I'll try to be quick and efficient here. Bob Arum, the co-promoter of Tyson Fury, told IFL TV this week that he believes Alexander Usyk was simply an awful style matchup for Anthony Joshua and that a rematch would produce a repeat performance. So, Luke, Bob has an idea. Of course, uh, the idea mostly benefits him. He believes AJ should <laughs> forego the mandatory rematch and allow Usyk to fight Tyson Fury for the undisputed title should Tyson defeat Wilder next week. 
But in the contract, it would state that either Usyk or Fury, whoever wins, would be contractually obligated to face Anthony Joshua next for the Undisputed Championship. Luke, in theory, that would allow AJ enough time to take even up to two comeback fights to potentially rebuild himself. Luke, call me crazy. Even though there's no chance in hell that Eddie Hearn agrees to this, this actually might be the exact thing AJ needs to avoid this happening a third time and try to fix what problems are in there at age 31 to still have a chance to 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 win the undisputed championship. Call me crazy here. I like it on some level. Here's the problem. I don't foresee this happening, but you at least have to take it seriously. What happens if let's say Joshua fights Dillian White or something, right? Let's just say. And he loses. And he loses. Would it make sense for the winner of Usyk and Fury to then fight Joshua? I realize if it's Fury and Joshua, it's probably going to do big business even with a million different things that undercut it. But I got to tell you, there are a bunch. I like the idea of like, let's just move on with Usyk and Fury and Joshua can take his time to come back. I like that. But he would need to take fights against not scrubs, but some dudes he could definitely beat. The other thing is not take any fights. So what it would mean is, if if uh, Fury beats Wilder next week, then let's say we did Usyk Fury early next year for all four belts. AJ would essentially have Luke six to nine months. And by the way, one of our listeners, John Bolton, writes in many times and says, "If you and I keep saying each other's name to each other this many times, he's going to unsubscribe." So Luke, let me ask: un- unsu- unsubscribe, douchebag. Nobody cares. Oh, he, J- JB's a good dude, but that that's his you know that's his thing. No, dude, um, nobody so Luke- who holds their fandom over you like that for the most minimal bullshit is worth taking seriously. Fucking go. I don't care. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. Uh, I don't, so Luke, I don't you know, care. Bye. What Bye. about not taking a fight, but just, you know, getting a new trainer and, and going to the lab and just basically say, so what you would be saying if you're AJ is this. Usyk's a bad matchup for me. I may never, you know, who knows? I may never be able to solve it. But if I can guarantee myself to get back in the Undisputed Championship match, then why don't I go work on my shit? I like that, too. Actually, in fact, I think that's what he needs. I think he has to get his body right, which could be done in relatively short order. But also, uh, he needs a different game plan, dude. He needs a different... I mean, I, I, I call you crazy? No, I won't call you crazy. I think you actually have a point. I think he's going to run it back, though. I think that's who he is. That's what he's yeah, got to do here. Probably. All right, yeah. Luke, call me crazy number two. Dwayne Chapman, a.k.a. Dog the Bounty Hunter, showed up at Brian Laundrie's parents' house in Florida to begin his own search for the fiancé and chief suspect in the Gabby Petito murder case, Luke, that has captured the nation's attention, for better or worse, as if it's a Netflix series. The 68-year-old Chapman instantly received the best tip we've heard yet in the search for Laundry and broke the news that Laundry's parents visited their son twice at a campsite 75 miles away in the immediate week before his disappearance. Luke, call me crazy, but... Not only are the laundry parents probably partially guilty in this plan, but that's not my question. If Dog the Damn Bounty Hunter finds this kid faster than the FBI and the Florida State Police combined, that's an absurdly damning editorial on the state of our federal and state law enforcement agencies. He ain't gonna do. He's That ain't gonna happen. Have you seen Dog? I mean, he... <laughs> He I mean, God bless him. Like, his wife died, and he's 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 washed. Now. I mean, he's washed. He's washed. He's a little bit bored. You know, obviously, you know, losing your wife is going to be incredibly tragic. But he just his face looks like the inside of a fucking catcher's mitt. I mean, oh. you know, I think he just puts cigarettes out on his cheek now. I mean, look, he, he had the a, best. 
He 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 scored the best development since this thing started, though. Sort of, sort of, but so, so we we don't you don't know what the FBI actually knows. You know, you don't know what they actually are doing on this one. I'll say this: if he pulls off the coup, I'll give him the props and say, "Wow, man, that really does say a lot of bad things." I have all, the utmost confidence he will not be the guy hauling this other guy in. Dude, gets this guy catches people show. who are like. Oh, I I you know I had a DUI and I forgot to show up for court and uh, they're chilling with their friend down the block in the basement playing Xbox. He's not getting well, you know fucking international fugitives. Okay, well, don't no. Well, first of all, he's had some issues like that racist phone call. So don't, but don't sell him short on. I, my wife and I've been um, like guilty pleasure fans of that show and that family for a long time. Don't underscore the times he's gone to great lengths to get like legitimate convicts, Luke. Legit convicts. Is he? Is I mean, he I know they're Ro- normally. You know, is he pulling in? What's his face? Robert Ramirez, whatever his name was. They're normally meth heads fighting in the lava shack parking lot, Luke. But yeah. still, you know, he, he's right. getting the he's getting the dudes that you know fight BJ Penn uh, in parking lots. He's not getting he's not getting dudes hidden in like the fucking Everglades. What's he gonna do? Get on a boat like he's Crocodile Dundee? This is a knife. No, motherfucker. Sit your ass down. I think you should have cameras following him 24-7 documenting this. I hope they are. Uh, Luke, do you, what do you think about the laundry parents? What the hell are they doing, bro? My wife was asking me. She was like, do you think that dude killed his girlfriend? I'm like, yeah, I think that. <laughs> yes. I quite obviously think that. They went to, you know, there's a situation where she's like, oh, I slapped him. Oh, I bet you did. I bet that's what happened, right? With the with the, the the body cam on the cop, and then they go to this remote area where, after they're having at a bare minimum, uh, you know, a domestic dispute of some kind, some kind of argument, he just goes home and is like, "Yeah, I don't know where she went. We just, you know, we parted ways." Okay, all right. I mean, you obviously, you know, in my opinion, you obviously killed this girl. And well, look, uh, the, when the FBI her. showed up at the door and the parents were like, "Here's our lawyer's number. Get away from us." I don't know, dude. I know, I know that they're strategic. That was a strategic move for certain reasons so that they don't say the wrong thing and all that. But their lack of help in any any scenario here is like, it says a lot, Luke. Well, I will say this. The guy who who married my wife and I, he's been my best friend since I was in college. He's an attorney now. He has been an attorney for a long time. He is very successful. He is a, a very normal person. He's got a wife and child. This, I mean, this is, he lives life in the most sort of mundane of ways. He has given me one piece of advice, and it's the only piece of advice he's ever given me that's been consistent over time, no matter what. He was like, dude, I don't care how innocent you are. You could be completely innocent. Do not talk to the cops, ever. Don't talk to them, period. Say nothing. Only let your attorney ever, ever, ever speak to you. Don't talk to them, no matter what. So I don't. There you go. Wow. All right. Shout out to your friend there. All right, Luke. Uh, Number three. Yoana Young Jacek wrote on IG on Tuesday that she's, quote, training twice a day every single day of, of late while prepping for both TV projects and photo shoots in her personal time. Luke, the 34-year-old former champion hasn't fought since that war with Wei Li in early 2020 and hasn't mentioned of late when she might return, although she did throw up this picture, Luke, if we can throw to that gaff quickly. Some would call it a thirst trap. I, Luke, I'm just putting it out there because the, the, the picture had the message attached to it. Uh, do we have it? Okay. You know, she's staying fit, Luke. It's great to see. All right. Big week, though. Big week, okay? Not only- great. That was for you. Thank you. Okay. What is that? Wow, look at that. Uh, Luke, call me crazy, but not only should you publicly bury your hatchet with Yuana Champion, considering how easy it was for you to fold up your tent and make nice with Hiwani, 
but the best comeback fight for JJ to try to build momentum toward one final title run is actually a trilogy bout against Claudia Gadelha. Mm. Not only should UFC book that unusual third fight in which one fighter won the first two, they should probably put it on the same card as Nunes Shevchenko 3 and Volkanovsky <laughs> Holloway 3, since all three have the same theme. Luke, that's the perfect comeback fight. I love the idea of the card. I think that's really fun. Uh, in terms of burying the hatchet, here's the difference. Ariel made a genuine effort to like work through our issues. You know what I mean? Like he had he had a he had a real human desire to uh, resolve these. You know, I don't think she gives a flying fuck about anything she's ever done to anyone in the media, me or anybody else. So no, no, I don't care at all. Okay, how uh, do you like that fight, Luke? That that even though she beat her twice, um, it's interesting. It's so interesting. Claudia I, had a nice turnaround in her career, but then she lost to uh, how do you say that? Yan Shaonan. Yeah, I'm not sure. She's a good fighter, but I, I I always mispronounce her name too. The Chinese fighter. Um, it's funny. Here's the difference: when Max fought Volkanovski, the first one was close and and certainly disputed by some. The second one was like really close, like really really close. Right. Uh, the case of Gedalia and Yanjacek, it was close the first time. If memory yes. serves, right. But the second time. I thought Yinjacek put a pace on her that by well, the time that it ended it was the two final. Fights. Tale of two fights, Luke. Claudia dominated the first two rounds on the ground and looked like she yes. was on her way to the stoppage. And then she completely gassed out as JJ put it on her over the final right. three. But what so. I'm saying is she turned the tide and it wasn't as competitive as the first one. So here's my point. It's like I get the third fight with Max A because he's still a top contender and there is something unresolved in that sense. This one went from like bad to much better for, or you know, tough to much better for Ian Jacek. So it's like I like the idea of the third one to see kind of where they are, but it doesn't have the same narrative arc that some of the other unfinished business ones have. All right, I just like to see the trash talk. That tough season where they coached, I got into that, Luke. Okay, maybe that's just my personal preference. All right, Luke. Yeah. Final call me crazy. MK documentary number five makes its long awaited debut immediately after this program on YouTube on the MK channel, chronicling not only our journey to Cleveland to cover Paul Woodley, but the healing of your beef with Ariel. Less than Jake, our documentarian may not have filmed this doc, but he did edit together another near masterpiece. Um, Luke. Oh, they're telling me I skipped one. I'll go back to it. Luke. We'll come back to it. Yeah. Um, before I ask you the question here, why don't we do it right now? Let's throw to a teaser of what the people can expect right after today's show. Documentary number five. Big week, though. Big week, okay? Not only Woodley Paul, not only Doc number five, but a lot of re reunions. There were divorces. Now there's reunions this week. It's going to get sweaty. It's going to get awkward. You know, I'm, here. I'm, just, here. I just, you, I'm just here to just keep the, keep the water stupid ass text in the right direction. I mean, the docs speak for themselves in terms of that that full-on representation of real life. This is pro wrestling. Yeah, this this could be a, a turning point for the brand in a lot of ways. What's next, okay? What, what are you going to bring Hawani in here? Where is he? They're a Hawani who is now with uh, a bunch of different places. He's back at Fox, he's got BT Sport. We used to work together for a long, long time, about seven years or so, at MMA Fighting Together. And then he went on to ESPN, and then I eventually ended up here. And we had had some some differences. He's here working this event. You know what I'm saying? Just, 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 yeah. You turn that corner, you don't know what's coming next.
Wow, Luke, I call that hot. I gotta sizzle. say, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil this for everyone. There's not hardly that much stuff with Ariel in it. They made it look like this is all about him. It's not. It's really. Luke, it's do you quite have any? Opposite, do you have any idea how to promote, market, advertise? That's called hot sizzle. And you're like, yo, I just want to let all you know if you plan on watching this, you're gonna be fucking disappointed. Yeah, great work, Luke. Okay, that's yes, real good. Because real I don't think these are interesting that or that we should be doing that many of them. Wow, Listen, what an absolute Do you wanna promote do you wanna promote Saint Anger? I mean, I don't want to promote Saint Anger. I mean, Saint what Anger an absolute jobber move by you right there. What a what a I mean, that's like, you know, hey, congratulations to my sister who got engaged. Uh just wanna let everybody know she got knocked up. It's like, come on, Luke, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, come on. All right, Luke, here's the question. I'll say this, hold on. I'll walk it back a little bit. Of the documentaries since well, the first hold, one, this hold is my that favorite. Thought. Hold that thought. Hold please. Hold that thought. Luke, call me crazy, but MK Doc Five is no worse than the second best of the series Ooh. and easily the most mature and thoughtful one we have ever done. Not only do I want you to answer that question if I'm crazy or not, but I want you to do the fans a solid and provide your pound for pound rankings for all five docs in order of their combined brilliance and entertainment, citing reasons why. All right, so it's definitely the best one since the first one, and it's definitely the most mature since the first. Well, the first one wasn't very mature, so it might even be the most mature of them all. So, yes, that is true. That is all true. Let me rank them. Rank them, I go number one, one, number two, five, and then the rest are literal feces. I mean, they're the worst wow. pieces of shit. Okay, Never so made. we can end this right now because it's obvious you haven't seen them. Because number two, Luke, is by far the best one we've ever done. Like, not even close. A lot no. of people number like two, the most... Number two is deeply overrated, and number five is better. Well, there's a lot of BC in it. I could see your, where, you, where, you, where you're coming by with that. Uh, I do get f- enough BC with I don't need a documentary on top of it. But no, that's not the reason. Number four, they're by all the pretty way... Ba- they're all pretty bad, if you can be honest. But I, you know. I take that. No, hell no. No, I will not, I will not allow that, those words in this house. Number four was such a happy ending so funny that people liked it a lot but luke i think this one's better than number four and you know of course the abstract number three is is if it's your taste it's it's something it's very very good one is solid one is damn good luke but and I my guess daughter's can... home so if you're wondering why rampage uh, or i should say why godzilla is rampaging through tokyo that's why all right luke our final call me crazy this week uh former ufc champion and hall of famer ronda rousey announced the birth of her and husband travis brown's first child luke you're a girl, Dad. You understand a daughter. And the name? La Akia Makopuyano Kalanipo Brown. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't Luke, hate on the name. Luke, I don't understand the name. Luke, but... hold on, Luke. Hold on. Don't ruin sorry, the segment sorry. again, okay? Sorry, Luke, sorry, call sorry. me crazy, but that's going to be hard to fit that on the fight kit one day when she <laughs> makes her UFC debut. Whatever happened to normal names for fighters who have kids like Tiger or Boston. Uh, I see what you did there. Look at me. Look at me. I see you. I see you, kid. I see you. I know exactly what you're doing. Fucking door manager at Chang's. Um, I'll say this. I will say that I can't hate on this at all. Uh, listen, I don't know how to pronounce the name at all. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know why the couple made the decision that they made. But... As somebody who gave his daughter uh, a name that is not typically, you know, what you would hear in America, um, it's not a normal name. No such no such thing as normal in that sense. It's just if it honors their cultural heritage, then that's as normal as it needs to be. So I can't pronounce it, and it caught me by surprise. I'll tell you that. But yeah, it's a little, you know, it's a little Asa, Tui Asasopo. Remember that? Oh yeah. Those names. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. 
All right, Luke, we struggled through that. We may never see that segment again. Uh, I got one more for the people here today. Uh, Morning Combat at gmail.com, of course, is the, the, the home, our email address for you to send in your fan subs, your Friday dead wrongs. And apparently we've been dead wrong a ton this week, so I look forward to Friday. Uh, this one is called Fan Submissions. Fan Submissions. We've got mail. Oh, God. Luke, this has become a controversial segment. Some people are getting bored with it. I, I laugh every time. All right. This one's from Zachary. Hey, Luke in BC. Was coming back to Atlanta from a trip to Tennessee in the mountains with my significant other. big under, chicken. And I decided to pull over and take a picture in front of the old Marietta icon, the big chicken, while wearing my merch 1.0 shirt. Luke should remember wow. this giant chicken from his days roaming the Marietta streets in search of mathletes to do battle against. Love the show. Thank you guys for always delivering entertainment and quality content. May you both seek psychological counseling. By the way, I currently am. Luke, your thoughts on this? I lived down the I, when I was in high school. I lived down the street from this. It was an apartment complex not too far from here, and uh, that's where I lived. And uh, this is a you would look at this and you'd be like, so what's the big deal with this? I don't know. Normally, the eyes go in a circle while the beak moves. You know. But everyone in town calls it the Big Chicken, and it's a landmark. It's like, oh, yeah, go one mile past the Big Chicken, you'd be right there. It's like that kind of a thing. I haven't seen this thing in 20 years. That's crazy, man. When when was the last time you stepped foot in Marietta? I went not too long ago when a buddy of mine's father passed. But I was in and out in like a day. But before that? Because, Luke, I don't even know. Remember when Gervonta was fighting in Atlanta and I pitched the idea that we take the dot cameras back to your old stomping grounds? To old Marietta, yeah. Uh, Just like Um, next time we go to Bellator or Mohegan, we should go to my factory town, Luke, and see if they still remember me. I want to say like 2000, like before my mom died, so 2003. That was the last time you were there. Damn. Yeah. All right. Hey, our next one is from Rajiv. What's up, guys? This is Rujiv from Vegas again. My wife had a conference in Dallas last weekend, and to kill time, I did my first in-person 5K repping the merch 2.0 that has kept me entertained and motivated on my weight loss journey during my otherwise boring runs. I'm down 70 pounds now, so I've got one question for you. Who is sweatier, me in in a humid Dallas after a 5K or BC prepping for the Shevchenko interview in his basement? Much love from Rajiv. And also, BC, after the interview, gives himself a medal just like this. It's a, it's a fair question, BC. Luke, there is a scene in our doc where you are a sweaty motherfucker. Yeah, it's true. I can't I, lie. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing, Luke. It is actually embarrassing. Yeah, but, sh- but hey, Shut the fuck up. You were on a Showtime stream looking yeah, like you showered under, you know... It was performance-based sweat, Luke. I put a lot into that shoot. Hey, Luke, how about Rajiv losing 70 pounds? you got to give it up for this guy. Unbelievable. Good job by him, man. Great job. Keep it going. All right, John sliding in with three picks here. Hey, Luke and BC, how to celebrate my 42nd donning the best merch. um, Wow. The best merch known to man. Even our lovable Sadie Bear couldn't help but fall in love with your merch. We all decided to hit a dispensary beforehand and are in search of the best gas station hot dogs. In all seriousness, you rock. P.S. I'm sending this on Saturday morning and have money on Lawler tonight, which I'm nervous about. But thanks for your resume review. I'm fully confident now that the money is in the bag. Shout out to you guys and to Mikey for getting my dead wrong up there two weeks in a row. Also a suggestion here, Luke. 
A new Wheel of Death idea you guys could do once a month. Have fans submit questions for BC to answer in good faith and have Luke Ooh. pick his favorites. May the Donk Army continue to grow from our tips to yours. Dude, wow. I got to say, first of all, I love that idea. Second of all, BC, I cannot believe people who are this normal and seem this nice with a house this orderly. Like, the, look at the cable management. It's unbelievable, right? How do they like MK? These are like the least likely candidates for MK fandom, and yet here we are. That looks like Billy Q on the far right. Wow, look at the girl in the MK. They're all wearing it, Luke. I didn't realize this at first yeah, glance. Yeah, they're all wearing MK. They have pictures of their like their love lives on the wall. They have nice furniture. Oh, my. and shock. they went to the dispensary beforehand. Look at that. Dog. Look at Sadie the dog in that, Luke. That's great. Perfect. Hey, go back perfect. to that force. Hey, Luke, our guys here, our guys are... Uh, they're, they're doing pretty well, right? They're getting their Uncle Pepe on. That's what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, <laughs> tip the tip. Yes. Big fans. Wow. All right. They're watching us with Chuck on the top. That's great. I love that shit. Hey, this this segment's never going to end. I love it. Okay. Uh, Arthur sliding in. Good morning, Luke and BC. I've been a longtime listener, and you guys are hands down the best combat sports show. Thank you for what you do. As a physically active 34-year-old, I can already tell how age can re affect recovery from workouts. Luke's unique position on PEDs has only been bolstered by his recent interest in potentially getting in touch with Vitor Belfort's TRT company. I definitely uh, understand the need, and it helped me create this meme for some laughs. Much love from San Diego. It's Arthur, a Kurdish born and raised in Luke's very own Armenia. There you go. Kurdistan. Shouts. Um, yeah, that's me, dude. Uh, actually, I kind of just want to hit both of them at this point. <laughs> Go for the ladder, Luke. It's about time, okay? You don't you don't want to end up being an old fat guy. You don't want to be that guy because then you'll no, die. No, early. I'm gonna I, I, one sooner or later. I'm gonna end up one. I just don't know when. I mean, that's the thing. You don't see old fat guys live like past seventy, right? Not usually, right? Maybe even sixty-five is the limit for fat guys. Yeah, yeah. All right, Luke. Here we go. This one's from Scott. Try not to drown your donks, he says. What do we got here? A video fuck is this can we go full oh is he at the splash park oh he's at your daughter's favorite thing the splash pad luke and he's got the mk donk shirt on the donk core this is my bladder after mk <laughs> it's actually your ass after mk luke let's be honest okay Just it's not that clear but yes Yes, all right. Hey, Scott, thank you for wearing our merch and for showing up at Luke's favorite family entertainment hangout there, the old splash pad. Luke, do you go to public park splash pads or do you go to, like, uh, you know, amusement the park? City, uh, the city built a bunch of them during the pandemic, so they're all kind of new, so I just go to the public ones. Okay. It's your life, Luke. Uh, snarky comment has slid in. He has to honor the release of Donk documentary number five. Oh, I love this, Luke. I love That's it. That's pretty cool. Wow. That's pretty cool. Except the problem is it should have been the St. Anger cover. No, but... Luke, no. This doc is so good, it might be Ride the Lightning worthy. I'm telling you. It's really good. It's really, it's but deep. I got to say, I love the Photoshop. I love the MK logo, like uh, like Metallica. It's awesome. Too bad they had to edit out your insensitive jokes, Luke. It's very, it's too bad. You know, I been... know. I had a great joke they had to take out because everyone here is a bedwetter, but what are you going to do? All right. Stevie is here. He says, here's a, le a meme about Luke. I haven't done it yet. I may do it. If this Let me hear what he has to say. Out, probably I will do it. I would almost say definitely. I haven't done it yet. I may do it. If this doesn't work out, probably I will do it. I would almost say definitely. I 
Okay, that's good. That's really, 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 really good. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Just get out. Just do it, Luke. Just do it. All right. Don't talk about it, Luke. Be about it. Brock know, slides in. Hey, I got two photos for you, fellas. I've been watching the uh, since the first episodes in that <laughs> shithole set. <laughs> Appreciate all the content. I hope 2022 brings us a TRT Luke, a healthy lever BC. And despite the Luke Fauci meme, I was not at the Capitol on January 6th. That is awesome. That is so fun. I wish I had Fauci's hair at this point. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Hey, I look good in that power red tie. Uh, he has a second one, I believe. Does he? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair, Luke. That is. That is. Uh, that notice, is Luke, awesome. Notice we haven't that done that awesome. segment in a long time since then. We may never do it again. All right, Jose A says, "Hey, Donks, it's your boy Jose Afonso, your number one fan from Brazil. I'm glad that at least you guys are not giving Rob Font the resume review treatment, but I hope you guys can give him a shout out. Much love as always, and keep up the BDE." Yeah, yeah, I understand that, but. Sorry, I like the same. I, I like it more. I like Sanhagen versus Jan more. Hey, Luke, I, you got to give Jose Afonso credit. He's using fan submissions to make a like counter analysis point. That's that's pretty smart, right? Although the Pepe the Frog meme is always a little bit disturbing, but yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know the backstory on that. Should I research it, Luke? Yeah, you should. Okay, all right. Uh, Philip is here with two photos. He's got a, memes of both of us, Luke. Let's see what Philip has. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> Might not be wrong here. We'll put we'll put uh, call me crazy right with it, Luke, because you because you no sell that whole segment as well. Uh, what else you got here, Philip? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I tried to run on it yesterday. My, it's not happening. Not happening. Nope. Dunzo. Nope. I'm old. My son's like, when are we gonna play basketball again? I'm like, maybe never. Might never happen again. Might be over for me. All right, Tom says, good day, lads. It's Tommy from Australia. I'm writing in to tell you how much I love the pregame preview episode, even if BC should be the designated driver next time. In all seriousness, Bapas, I've been a fan since day one. Um, can't wait to see what the future brings. Can you blow that up? I didn't get to read it yet. This looks good. God, that's why does he keep saying bitch and yo? God, that's brilliant. Juggalo, that's why. That is so brilliant. <laughs> wow, you know, Luke. Uh, yeah, I was pretty. I was pretty drunk. I regret that. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, ben Jovi says, in honor of your night of debauchery, fellas, you are never too old for this shit. Give a guy in his mid 30s some hope, please. Ben Jovi, edit. I always sign Ben Jovi. And you sometimes call me Ben S. Get your shit together, donks. Shouldn't Curly, shouldn't Chuck be the one on the left and then you he be should, the one on the right? Because underneath that hat, it's a it's a disaster zone, Luke, okay? So that's, that's where he should be, basically. How about this guy's name being Ben Jovi? He must get mocked all the time about things being slippery when wet, Luke. No, not a lot of dads out there making that's, jokes like that's that. That's a fair point. Yeah, you think Ben... Would you would you would you smell Ben Jovi's fingers, Luke? Just just Will for nostalgia. Please purposes? go to the next goddamn slide. All right, we got one more. It's from Scott. I made some art to the producers on the back end. That's reading the emails. This is a ninety second trailer of the MK resume reviews. Are you yeah? Oh, Play you it. guys want me to talk about 
the curse. Five and zero. Oh, you can admit the resume review is real. Is resume review curse is real because Pitbull no, didn't no, just Porky lose. No, Porky Pig. You spit that sentence out even worse. Who will be your next resume review victim? <laughs> Six and zero, oh, Luke. Six and zero, oh, brother. Okay, what are you going to say yeah. about that? Okay, this will put our old resume reverse uh, curse, which is six and zero oh at this point mm. in terms of ruining the people we choose, to the test because Lawler Diaz two this Saturday, it's about a pick 'em. <laughs> I'm not a teenager. I don't believe in superstitious shit. It's time for the resume review of Nick Diaz. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's any big one yet. All right, Luke's got a crap. Here we go. Uh, Scott says the donks need one more resume review. <laughs> Colby, I don't know. I mean, I that is so out there yet so intriguing. I don't even really know what to say about it. We just do the show. We can't, you know, we can't be homeless. We of course don't do this as a prediction engine. We do this because we want to talk about someone who's got an incredibly interesting career, a long and storied one, who endowed us with these powers to affect high-level mixed martial arts outcomes and bouts. Who, who gave us this? How long does it last? Will it ever be broken? What would break it? Why were we given this? Um, who the hell knows? Look, that is brilliant. We should probably consider using that as the intro to every single resume review. Yeah, that's not bad. That, that guy did his homework for sure. Wow. Wow. Well done there, Scott. And thank you to everybody for sending in their shit this week. Morningcombat at gmail.com is the email address. Don't DM us. Don't tweet at us. Send it in to Mikey. He'll deal with your shit. Uh, Luke, that's all the shit we got this week in a final pitch. Donkeymentary 2.5 titled Healing is out the second this show ends. YouTube.com slash morningcombat. You can wrap up with MK Live. Go right into Doc 5. Find out what really happened between Luke and his old co-host. Um, I can't wait to see the responses, Luke. This is art. Less Than Jake, our documentarian, is just a... He's a genius, Luke. He's a master, okay? Also, can you spit more gross white shit on your mouth? I mean, uh, or, yeah, or, or Porky Pig, that those words, yeah. Uh, Luke, do you know, like, we? it's like we present Jake with a bowl of shit, and he, like, makes, like, like finger puppets out of it. He's incredible. Yes, he is. Uh, he's quite talented. I am looking forward to not caring about this documentary for a while. All right. Don't you love what an asshole Luke is? He's like, hey, just out, out there, everyone, it's not going to meet your expectations, okay? It's actually not going to be good at all. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Thank Thanks for all the hard work, Jake. You, I've only been, you know, you've only been working on this for like three straight weeks every second of his day, and I'm, yeah, all right. That's I don't, see, I don't believe that. I think he's been working on it like part-time for three straight weeks, which is why it's taken three straight weeks, right? No, 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 you don't think so. There's a lot of legal clearances it had to get through too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of snip snip. It had to go through. There was a debauchery segment there of us. when We went to that Indians game and a keg party broke out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's remind everybody, if you uh, would be so kind as to like and subscribe, you can check out documentary episode five right now. That is literally out right now. YouTube.com slash morning combat for the audio listeners. If you want to follow us on social media, you can see the graphic below Luke Thomas news, Brian C. Campbell on Instagram, L Thomas news, B Campbell on Twitter. Morning combat's name is consistent across the board. You want to get some merch so you can end up on fan submissions. First of all, the fan submissions will go to morning combat at gmail.com of course, but beyond that, the merch 
morningcombat.store. Morningcombat.store. You can use the code LIVE10, L-I-V-E-1-0. Right now, you get 10% off your purchase if you are so inclined. Um, you want to try Showtime. So you can watch the upcoming rematch between MVP and Lima. You can do so. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, go to something else with your life. And, of course, DraftKings. Our friends at DraftKings who power MK to its current levels. Use the code COMBAT. COMBAT with a K. K-O-M-B-A-T. But if you're a uh, new customer, bet $1 on the upcoming slate of NFL games, and they'll give you 150 bucks for free. Simple as pie. Use the code COMBAT with a K. Brian Campbell, any final thoughts? Uh, Manny Pacquiao, a special later today. Uh, look back at his great career and why that legacy truly matters um, for any of you box fans out there. If not, I don't care. But thank you, folks. Thank you to everyone. Please uh, give us some of those Apple Pod reviews if you can. They would go a long way for us. If you like the show, tell us why. Yes. Uh, we love you for it. Thank you very much. Uh, that's, it. that's it. And the last thing I'll do is remind folks, I won't do this anymore after this, but just for this first week, remember, my live chat is now back on my personal channel, so it will no longer be on MK. Yeah, if you're looking for that, it'll be there. Luke, a lot of people wondering if BC is going to get a live chat. I don't think our, our I don't think our staff wants one, but I think the people do. I don't think you want to do one either, dude. It's it's a little bit more uh, draining than you might imagine. But if you want one, go do one. I won't stand in your way. Hey, Luke, what do you think about me doing one for MK and starting it at the exact time as yours on your personal channel? And then I think we get you would little, be disheartened to see. We get a little Monday Night Wars going on, Luke. Okay. I, th- I think you, you would be very disheartened to see watch me stomp all over your, your numbers. I mean, I think, you I think know, it'll hurt you. If you think I'm afraid to come at the king, Luke, you don't know who I am. Oh, you can come at the king, but you're going to miss and you're going to regret it. So there you have it. Uh, okay. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, BC, go check out the documentary, his uh, homage and his recap of the career of Manny Pacquiao. That will be out later today. So don't miss it. Tons of content coming your way. Friday, we're going to kick off with tons of different stuff to get you ready for the weekend. That's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks to Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports. Thanks to everyone who sent in a fan submission. Dead wrong us at morningcombat at gmail.com for Friday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.